was looking at all the new anime that are coming out the next season. Yeah. There's this, there's this one called I've been reborn as a Fendi machine and I now wander the dungeon alone. (laughs) (laughs) That's the full title. That's insane. (laughs) I was like, I'm probably going to watch the first episode of this. (laughs) (laughs) It is an intriguing title. I wonder if they give it all away in that. (laughs) Yeah. There's another one that sounds like 90% of porn. Where is it? Oh, my stepmom's daughter is my ex. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I've seen this. Episode 437. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It's a trap. Something has crept. Or has been driven out of dark waters under the mountains. There are older and fallow things and orcs in the deep places of the world. And you're listening to one of them. This is Pop Culture Leftovers Podcast. You shall not fast forward! Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast. It sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. Jake, now you're coming in a little quiet. I don't understand what's going on, man. Hmm, I don't know. Now you're good. I don't know. It's crazy. We live in a crazy... These are crazy times we're living in, Jake. <laughs> Skype, you just can't depend on it. You can't depend on it. You can't... Skype is that fucking friend that you just can't depend on. Just that wishy-washy friend that you just can't depend on. They might always show up. Always makes plans. Always doesn't show up. Doesn't show up. Always late. Mm. I told you to wear a suit jacket, and they they show up, and they're not wearing a suit jacket. What you had one t-shirt and jeans, motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. I told you to bring a pie. You come with no pie in hand. You had one job. Skype. <laughs> now, now no one gets. <laughs> now no one gets pie. <laughs> what, that was some thick disdain in your voice. I know. In what scenario does does Skype bring pie? I don't, Jake. I don't know what's going on here. I think, I think, I think I've been doing too many drugs. Possibly. Possibly. No, it's that's a joke, kiddos. That's a joke. Anyway, we're not alone, Jake. We've got a guest. We've got back two weeks in a row. Joe Stark. Welcome back, Joe Stark. Hey, stoked to be here. Hey. I want pie now. You want pie now? What kind of pie do you want, Joe? I'm a big fan of pecan pie myself. Nobody's... Oh, me too. That's I, my fave. I love yeah. pecan pie too. I love pecan pie too with a nice fucking glaze on the top and shit. And then I don't even know what the fuck that shit is in the pie. That fucking gooey shit. I don't even know what the fuck it is. <laughs> It's fucking good. 
It's delicious. I don't know. Is that it's supposed to be pecan poop or something? Like, I don't even know. <laughs> what is that shit? I thought it was like pecan jelly, like sugar and pecan and I don't know. Yeah, I, I know it's got an insane amount of calories in it, so it's one of those things oh, God, I try yeah. not to think of whenever I have it. Oh, it's got so much sugar in it, too. Yeah, it's like, oh, you can eat a piece of pecan pie or you can lose your leg, you know? It's like, <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. I can't have that shit in the fucking house. I can't have it in the fucking house. I'll just eat it all. I have no restraint when it comes to pie, especially uh, pineapple upside down cake. Oh, yum. Oh, my mm. God. If, if I smell that shit... Or anything red velvet, but pineapple upside down cake. If I fucking smell that, like right out of the goddamn oven, it's I'm a madman. I'm like a foaming at the mouth madman. I will knock a child over to get to it. <laughs> <laughs> when I used to drink more often, I would get that cake vodka and mix it with pineapple juice, and it was like a pineapple upside down cake shot. It was so tasty. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I think I think I think you actually had brought. I think we talked about that years ago. Oh, I, now that you bring yeah. that up, I brought that mixture over to Jay's house one time while we were podcasting. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, you guys liked it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This all started with me talking about a scenario where Skype didn't bring pie to whatever fucking <laughs> organized meeting was planned, where Skype was going to show up. This. Jake, it's this the dumbest fucking shit. <laughs> it's definitely up there. It's fucking stupid. And people are listening to this right now. People people have fucking hit play on this episode and they're like, blah, 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 I'm listening to this fucking idiot. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> but I bet they're hungry for pie while they're thinking of that. I know, and that, I don't feel good about that, Joe. <laughs> And no, and no, it's not. It's not fair. I mean, we can't eat pie right now. I yeah, that's very true. It's very fucking true. You know what I ate today? I had. Uh, I bought. Uh, I love cantaloupe, but they have every once in a while at the store they'll have what's called the sugar kiss cantaloupe. Sugar kiss. Oh, yum. Yeah, yeah. It's very. It's a. It's a. It is. It, it is kissed with sugar. And you slice it. Up. It just looks like a cantaloupe, but man. Yeah, man, it's very sweet and sh- like tasty and like sugary. It's very good. Sugar kiss cantaloupe, fantastic. You ever tried the lemon kiss cantaloupe? No, I haven't. They have it's a very, very good as well. It's like a, it looks just like a cantaloupe, except it's a little bit more yellow. Hmm. I'll have to look out for those. Yeah, these fucking fusions. These fucking like what are they? They they are fusing together pears and apples and all this fucking bullshit. <laughs> it's like fucking Arnim Zola making produce. And it's like the island of <laughs> Doctor Moreau, and he's got a fucking produce section or whatever. It's ridiculous. <laughs> look, 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 look at this blueberry over here that I fused with a strawberry. Look at that fucking thing. And it's got four asses. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, what the fuck here? Hey, Joe, we, uh, we, I want people to listen to, uh, we did a couple of interviews with Image Comic Book Writers. We talked with uh, Declan Shalvey this week, uh, and uh, he's doing a book called Old Dog. And then we also talked to uh, Melissa Flores. Uh, she's doing a comic called The Dead Lucky over at Image Comics. We talked about both of those issues, uh, number one issues. And uh, I wanted to thank you and then Janine for joining us with the uh, Dead Lucky episode. But, man, I had a lot of fun talking with the uh, Image comic book creators. 
Oh, absolutely. They couldn't have been cooler and, and just more open about their projects and just hearing their excitement talking about them. It really came through. And and they were also both really, really good number ones. Um, so people should definitely check those out and, and check out the interview. Yeah, definitely. Uh, listen to the interviews. We had a lot of time, a lot of fun talking with these creators. I love doing this. We're going to have more of these. And uh, um, yeah, I, I really just like to promote comic books. It's uh, it's something that I enjoy. And I'm telling you, some of these comic book writers and artists are some of the friendliest people that I have gotten the opportunity to speak with. So I love uh, supporting them and promoting them. Um, we do have winners for contests that were. Uh, uh, that that uh, that we brought up last week, and the first one is for eighteen. I hear paper. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready, bud. I, look at you. <laughs> look at you. It's all. It's like you're. It's like you're a fucking Olympic fucking runner. And you're. And, and I just said. And I, you know, and I just fucking held that gun up, and you're fucking. You're on. You're towing the line there. <laughs> you're ready to go. You're ready for me to fucking. Fucking pull that trigger so you could just start running. <laughs> it's a Pavlovian response. I, I hear contest results and I just reach for pen and paper. Yeah. <laughs> Who is a Canadian guy taking steroids? <clears throat> yeah, you know, you don't know. <laughs> Which sport? Any Canadian? Running. I was, I was talking about running. He's like an Olympic sprinter. What sport? Oh, uh, we were just talking about <laughs> running. And so, I'm bringing up, I'm, I'm bringing up uh, fucking uh, tennis or whatever the fuck. Fair point. Go, go, Joe. Go eat some fucking pie. That's all you're thinking of this entire time. <laughs> <laughs> Joe's just thinking of pie. I can't blame him. Uh, anyway, let's see here. Yeah, we got winners. We're going to go over the winners for the uh, 1883. These are for physical Blu-rays. So I'm going to give you the five winners, and then I'm going to be reaching out to you over email to get your addresses. So please get ready for the email. If you didn't see the email, check your spam folder. Anyway, here we go. Here's number one. First one. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Monica Garola. Monica Garola. <laughs> I'm telling you, the, these two contests, we've got the most amount of people ever entering out of these two. I, 1883, and then I think I can't even tell you how many names entered for Top Gun Maverick here. But uh, a lot of people entered, and I'm just kind of blown away that Monica Garola, who wins everything, wins... When's this? Oh, my God. Okay, number two, Kevin Shanks. All right. Kevin Shanks, you win a Blu-ray copy of 1883. All right, number three, uh, Jesse Jimenez. Jesse Jimenez, excuse me. Uh, you win a copy of 1883. Number four is Ernie Martin. Ernie Martin. And the Final winner. Oh, my God. Uh, Anthony. I'm not going to give out the full name. I don't think he wants me to give out the full name. But Anthony. Uh, uh, Anthony's the guy that fucking does the website. He's the guy. He, he lives in Japan. And he's the guy that hand, he's the guy that designed our website. So uh, I 
think it's pretty fucking awesome that he want. I know he lives in Japan, but he gave me an address, I believe, for his mother who lives here in the States. And so, yeah, that's fucking. I swear this is not rigged. I swear <laughs> this is not fucking rigged. Oh my god! So yeah, Anthony, you win a you win a copy of 1883. All right. So um, now we're going to be going over the uh, five winners for digital codes for Top Gun Maverick. Still in theaters, everybody. It's insane. Number one is. Gaku uh, Gaku Ito Gaku Ito You win a copy uh, Number two Oh Our buddy from Cinefy.com Mr. Connor Petrie You win a copy Digital copy uh, Number three Is Michael Rarick Michael Rarick Number four Nicholas Santones Nicholas Santones Wins A digital copy Of Top Gun Maverick uh, number five. I don't know why I talk like that sometimes, guys. I apologize. Number five, William Dixon. William Dixon, you are the final winner for digital copy of Top Gun Maverick. You're the final winner. Top Gun Maverick. That's awesome. Five names I'm not used to hearing for these contests. I know. That Monica Groller really threw me off there, Jake, earlier. <laughs> No, I'm, no, it's great. It's great. We're going to have more contests coming up, guys. And uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll have a Top Gun physical copy. I don't know. Maybe sometime in November. So stick around. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Fingers crossed, right? Oh, yeah, I hope so. I do, too. Anyway. Congratulations to everybody that entered. Seriously, I'm so happy that we... Most people ever for a contest entered both of these and it was nice to see a lot of names that i don't typically see is there a song that drives you guys nuts like every time you fucking hear it on the radio you're just like oh my god not the radio or whatever the fuck because nobody listens to the radio anymore except for me but like if you hear it you're just like oh my god i fucking hate this song or this song i fucking hate it for this reason or whatever oh yeah yeah, I can't think. I can't pinpoint one right this second. Well, I'm, it definitely happens. Yeah, here's mine, and it it's not like it. And this, yeah, it's fucking. It's Bob Seger, and it's that goddamn like a rock song. Oh yeah, I don't like any Bob Seger really. Well, hold on, let me get into my reasoning here. I got a whole thing, Jake. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it's okay. It's a basically it's a song about he's basically singing like most songs. It's like guys singing about like how you know love, you know, like songs like this, like love or like the country or whatever. Something this guy's singing about how fucking great he is. Listen to this shit. Hold on, like I was. I was in the shower the other day and it's playing. I'm like listening to the lyrics because I, I just remember it as like the Chevy truck commercial from years ago. Oh, and they, yeah. Like a rock. And you see the big the fucking Chevy symbol. And the of course, the truck's driving up a goddamn mountain like people are doing that all the fucking time and uh, <laughs> just driving up a fucking mountain, Jake. But uh, I started listening to the lyrics. I'm just like this fucking self-righteous asshole is just singing about how fucking great he used to be when he was younger. Listen to this shit. I was 18 
Didn't have a kid Working for peanuts Not a dime to spare But I was lean I was lean Solid, Solid everywhere Like a rock talking about his body i was lean solid everywhere like a rock he's talking he's he's just reliving his his younger virile days he's singing about himself this entire fucking time hold on my hands were still oh yeah my eyes were clear and bright yep my walk had purpose yeah what, what else was great about you hold on i guess we'll find out my steps were quick and light yeah. And I held firm To what I felt was right Like a rock I love myself <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, hold on. <laughs> Like a rock Yeah, buddy I was strong as I could be Like a rock You see him, like, looking at an old picture of himself Just jerking off <laughs> Nothing ever got to me like a rock. I was something to see. I was something to see. <laughs> Makes me wonder how pathetic he is now that he has to reminisce this much about when he was 18. And I'm going to write a whole fucking song about how fucking awesome I was. And everybody's <laughs> got to fucking listen to it. it. Are you fucking kidding me? The ego on this guy. <laughs> and I stood out of strength, unencumbered by the weight of all these hustlers in this scheme. Oh my God, get over yourself, buddy. I stood proud, I stood tall, high above it all. I still believed in my dream. I'm so much better than you. You're a piece of shit. <laughs> Look at my body. Isn't it the shit? <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good Seeger. Oh, my God. I wasn't going for good Seeger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, guitar solo. Oh, give me a break. I got it. This guy's out in a fucking wheat field fucking play the guitar and he's got a piece of wheat hanging out of his i just this song just baffles my fucking brain it's like you got that eric clapton song where he's talking about you know that you know what song i'm talking that eric clapton song where he's like talking about like his woman like he gets drunk and she takes him to bed and shit and he's he's talking singing about how beautiful her is that layla no they're not layla he's singing about he got drunk and she's taking him to bed and He's talking about how beautiful she is in the dress and all this shit. And it's like, you got a guy singing about how fucking wonderful his woman is. And, you know, she stood by his side and she looks beautiful and blah, blah, blah. And Bob Seger's just like fucking just masturbating to himself. <laughs> it, this song drives me fucking nuts. The ego on this guy. 
Is that You Look Wonderful Tonight? Yes, that's it. You Look Wonderful Tonight. It's a beautiful Eric Clapton song. You know, it's like singing about this woman and, you know, talking about how great she fucking looks, how much he's in love with her and shit. And then he gets fucking plastered and whatever. And she takes him to bed. He's a fucking raging alcoholic <laughs> and he couldn't control himself that night. So she's got to drop his ass off in bed. You know, who's not getting laid that night. But you know what? If Bob Seger was in town, he's like a rock. He would have fucking nailed her down. But... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. This Bob, like, I don't know. This Bob Seger song's been driving me mad all fucking weekend, Jake. That's funny. That's funny. It's such a sleepy song, too. Like, yeah. it just, oh, man. It gives me no energy whatsoever. Oh, Even I the know. guitar solo is, like, so fucking sleepy. If I went to the gym and I was fucking doing a bench press of this shit, I would just fucking, it would, like, I would fucking crush my chest. I would fall asleep. They, they'd have to resuscitate me. <laughs> just drop the bar on your neck and end it all <laughs> is, is the song more about how how he used to be the shit and now he's like old and jaded and he's he's much more soft like a fresh dinner roll yeah that's how i'm feeling it yeah he's talking about how how fucking awesome he was <laughs> but not anymore <laughs> yeah now everything yeah. bothers him now I'm a little bitch, like a rock, like a bitch, like a bitch. I used to be really strong, like a bitch. <laughs> Get off my fucking lawn. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, yeah, I, hopefully that went somewhere for people. I don't know. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> uh, it's just a very self-righteous song though isn't it a little bit just to kind of like relive your old glory days in a song right yeah about how awesome you were surprised he's not talking about his high school football days somewhere in that song yeah exactly like fucking he's like the al bundy or whatever the fuck it's ridiculous <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyway jesus now it's <laughs> maybe now, it'd be great if Bob Seger was doing fucking, like, Viagra commercials. <laughs> it'd be a smart fit. Yeah, like a rock. <laughs> that should totally be the next ad campaign. <laughs> maybe, maybe, throw, maybe throw a bunch of blue pills in the back of a Chevy. <laughs> Drive it up a fucking mountain. Uh, Oscar Mayer unveils the Cold Dog, a first-of-its-kind hot dog-flavored frozen pop. Have you guys seen this? <laughs> no. Yeah. I hope yeah. I never see it. Oscar Mayer. It it's, how does it sound, Joe? Does it sound? It sounds so foul. Yeah. <laughs> Carbonated hot dog water. Ugh. It's a frozen pop. It's a, It's like a like it's um. Um, oh, like a popsicle? A popsicle, popsicle yeah. That's yeah. even fucking worse. It is worse. Yeah. Yeah. Oscar Mayer debuted the first ever cold dog, a bunderfully odd and surprisingly delicious frozen pop flavored like beloved Oscar Mayer wiener. Stemming from... Is it uh, bunderful? By, that is their punderful bunderful that they put in there, Jake. <laughs> Stemming from Oscar Mayer's stupid or genius campaign focused on all the wonderfully odd ways to enjoy the iconic wiener beyond grilling, the cold dog sparked a sizzling social media debate. While a cold hot dog may be polarizing, tens of thousands of fans relish the idea of a hot dog-flavored frozen pop and crown the cold dog genius, so the brand made it a reality. Oh, my God. Oscar Mayer teamed with 
Pop Bar, a premium frozen desserts company known for handcrafted gelato on a stick to create the cold dog, boasting both refreshing and smoky umami notes of Oscar Mayer's iconic wiener, all topped with a signature swirl of mustard. Now available for just $2 at select Pop Bar locations, hot dog lovers can taste the fantastic new invention in Long Beach, New York City, Alpharetta, Atlanta, and New Orleans while supplies last. Yeah. Jump in I'm on I'm glad that. to hear it's nowhere near me. No shit. <laughs> Jesus. Who the fuck? Oh, my God. That's disgusting. Yeah, like maybe on a dare I would try one. <laughs> I would never choose this. <laughs> like go and drop hard-earned money on it. I wonder what the other fucking like entries were. You know? Like... Did someone shit on a hot dog? <laughs> <laughs> the Cleveland steamer dog. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, the butt chili dog. Oh. Mm, disgusting. Yeah, so if you live in uh, Long Beach, New York City, Atlanta, or New Orleans, look out for uh, the uh, pop bar location. Get yourself a... Uh, Pop bar that tastes like a Oscar Mayer wiener. Two bucks. Ugh. Ugh. When I was in my single digits, I would eat a cold hot dog. Like, I would just eat a fucking hot dog right out of the fridge. But I don't think I've done that since single digits. I couldn't. I've never been like, I've, I, of course I've had like a cold hot dog before. It's not like my favorite fucking thing. But I usually would just pop them in the microwave for a little bit of time, you know? Yeah. 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 Now I like that shit. To- oh, go ahead. I was going to say, it has to be a little amount of time because those hot dogs explode in the microwave. That's always fun. Oh, I know. They do. They fucking fucking blow up. (laughs) Fucking blows up in the microwave. Anyway. I love it. I love it when microwave food comes in like the metallic sleeve. That's always a good sign that you're going to get something that fucking heats evenly is when they're like, oh, we we need to fucking put this thing in a tanning bed. (laughs) <laughs> like a hot pocket yeah the hot pockets have those fucking metallic sleeves because they and even with the fucking metallic sleeve it's not like those fucking things cook evenly no <laughs> have you ever gone rogue and tried it without the sleeve to see if it cooks any different oh God. <laughs> i haven't eaten a hot pocket in fucking a decade same <laughs> I, it's um and they got so many different kinds now it's the it's ridiculous like the flaky hot pocket and the oh you want hot pockets for breakfast we just made that possible we got bacon and eggs in them now it's like jesus oh, oh my god pastry pockets and they just shove whatever the fuck they want to in there and then they lean pocket oh god <laughs> oh i still got to get my pocket fixed but i'm on a diet yeah. <laughs> that shit blows my mind when they have a diet version of something that like what the fuck hey todd what's healthy broccoli all right broccoli pocket put some cheese in it right <laughs> thanks todd mm. broccoli <laughs> Fucking gross. Lean pockets. What? Well, how many lean pockets are there? What's like the lean pocket line over there look like? At least a dozen. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was a frozen food manager for many a year. There was a big line of those lean pockets. Mm. 
Yeah, it's like who the fuck is like on a diet, but they just I just can't I'm I just can't get rid of my hot pockets. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things that I'll sacrifice for this diet, but hot pockets is not one of them. No way, no sir, no way, no how. Uh uh-uh, uh uh uh. That's a non-negotiable. I always think of those as like college food when like you're on yeah. a big time budget and you can't afford much. Yeah, exactly. Huh, not, if you're a grown adult eating Hot Pockets, then fucking A. It's not adult food. It's not like, oh, God, dinner. Yeah, <laughs> fucking Hot Pockets. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, it, yeah, that is not adulting. Yeah. Tomorrow we're going to have fish sticks. <laughs> <laughs> Lean Pockets are like, I want to eat healthy, but I still want to have diarrhea. Ugh. <laughs> they have croissant pockets, too. Oh, croissant pockets. Oh, Pretzel man. pockets. Man, I would be a fly on the wall in the fucking meetings that they have about what what kind of pockets they're going to be giving out. <laughs> <laughs> what sort of stuff hasn't passed their test kitchens, I'm wondering. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Oh no! They have like a meatball. Then they have like a like a meatball sub meatball pocket. Meatball and mozzarella. Yeah, meatball and mozzarella pocket. Mm. <laughs> Beef stroganoff pocket. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I prefer a good old fashioned microwave burrito over any of that crap. Yeah, man. If I'm gonna eat junk microwave food, that's where I'm going. <sighs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, some of those microwave burritos, even for like a fucking buck, is better than a fucking Hot Pocket. Those things are good as shit in the air fryer, too. (laughs) (laughs) I like that you've taken a frozen burrito and figured out how to make it bougie. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know the last time I ate a frozen burrito. I used to get those fucking frozen chimichangas all the time. I never fried them, though. I always fucking... I like those, too. Oh, God. Yeah, I don't know. I don't eat that crap anymore. Anyway. I just had a frozen burrito yesterday. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jake, Jake, Jake. Oh. <laughs> 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 I would be scared to look at what you eat in a week. I would just, it would terrify me. I would be like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm sure. I, I, it would be frightening. Seriously, I'd be like. <laughs> <laughs> I had chili mac for dinner tonight. From Steak and Shake, right? No, I, I just canned chili and stove noodles. Man, dude, living a little f- fancy, man. But, I know, I know. I felt like Chef Ramsey. Yeah, you did. Ooh, I had I boiled the noodles and then I then I poured in the can out. <laughs> wow. wow, Jake, you've been treating yourself, buddy. Living high on the hog. Whew, man. <laughs> I'm over here eating fucking fruits and oranges and bananas. What else? That, what I eat a shit ton of fruit too, though. Okay. All right. Okay. 
In candy form. What <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a juju fruit. Man, these tropical mambas. These tropical mambas, Brian. Mambas. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, let's, uh, you know what? I'm happy with this episode. Let's wrap this fucker. Yeah, what more can we what more can we cover i mean we covered bob seeger frozen hot sickle pops i think we'll go out to seeger guys it's been fun we'll see you next week it'd be great if we just ended it that way that would be fucking amazing <laughs> it's just like we finish out the seeger song and that's the episode people are like what the fuck <laughs> what the fuck they're like, oh my god! I just want to eat pecan pie, and and that episode was terrible. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> ten people are happy. The ten people that won shit this week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everybody else is like, fuck you. Oh, you had man. a very you had a very uninteresting conversation about food. And then we we had to listen to Brian bitch about Bob Seger. That's it. I'd say I'd say thirteen people are happy. You're forgetting about me, you, and Joe. Oh yeah, because we get to end this fucker. <laughs> I think thirteen pushes it over the edge, date. Jake. We're at it. I mean, that's a baker's dozen. <laughs> I've always that said if it's any a, sense to me. I've always said if it's a baker's dozen, just end the show. <laughs> every time, every episode, you uh-huh. say that. I had it put on a T-shirt. I wore it at C2E2. <laughs> anyway, let's uh, fuck it. We got to do the show. Anyway, let's move into. I know. Let's move into good pop, bad pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with good pop, bad pop. Good pop, bad pop is where we talk about the things of the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. I had you guys watch... Oh, shit. I wanted to... Oh, yeah. Before I jump into the stuff that we all watched together that was on the list, I did want to let people know that I did go to the theater this week, and uh, I uh, I watched the uh, Andor um, re-release in theaters. This is like in preparation... Not preparation. Uh, in anticipation for the new Andor series that's hitting Disney Plus on September 21st. And so they re-released Andor in the theater in IMAX, and so I caught a showing... And uh, before the movie started, they had interviews with uh, uh, Tony Gilroy and uh, uh, what's Diego Luna. And they were talking about the series. They showed us a bunch of like clips and then they showed us a couple of extended scenes. And um, I'm telling you, man, I forgot how good fucking Rogue One was. I, I think I enjoyed this viewing more than I did my initial viewing and then my return viewing in the theater. And I think it's probably because the rise of Skywalker was so fucking bad. I was just like, Oh, they can make good star Wars. Like it can still, I mean, they, they, I mean, I don't know. I think it, I think it ages very well. I thought it was very good. I mean, the weakest link I think is still uh, uh, Felicity Jones, 
but um, even she didn't bother me as much on, upon this this rewatch. But uh, man, I enjoyed the I enjoyed the heck out of that fucking movie. Yeah, it's a great prequel. It, it really holds up. There's not very much cringe in it at all. I think the cringiest part is probably the uh, C-3PO appearance. It just kind of shoehorned in. But that's so short and brief, you can kind of look past it. When did he show up in that? Don't they just show him? He's like just standing there like the camera pans by him. I remember Chopper being in it. Maybe he did. I don't remember. I'm going to have to Google. Hold on. All right, yeah, apparently they're in there. I'm seeing, like, fucking videos right now on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, 3PO even has a line, too. It just seems so random and, like, not part of the movie. Yeah. Remember, they <clears throat> they name-drop uh, Syndulla, and then they... I think you see Chopper for a split second. I, I saw Chopper from rebels for a split second but man i, I mean I, that's cool you've never seen like live action chopper so that's a fun little easter egg but yeah. it's like ugh. no i think like the worst was the the fucking what was oh i can't remember their names right now the two guys at the cantina that were gonna fucking fight luke oh yeah they showed oh up on, that moment's super silly too they showed up on scarif no on uh jetta they showed up in Jetta, and that was ridiculous. But, man, I, I enjoyed the movie overall. I mean, I thought it was fantastic. I think this was my favorite viewing of Andor, but the of uh, Rogue One. But they did show, like, the extended scenes. And did you guys get to watch those videos? I did. Yeah. yeah. They were taken off Twitter, but I did find, a, I did find some links to them online. And, oh, if our listeners want those links, I think they still work. And if they don't, I'll let you know. But if you want to see those links, send me an email, uh, brian at popcultureleftovers.com, and you can see what I'm talking about. Because it was exclusive to the theater. But, man, um, so they still work. I just tried. Very cool. Yeah, fucking the... the <laughs> Both of those, uh, th- there was a, there was like a, a scene with, oh God, I can't even, I'm, I'm blanking on their fucking names. <laughs> Jesus Christ. The actor's names. It's Diego Luna and he's talking to the guy who plays Eric Selvig in the fucking, Mar- I'm pausing it. Stellan Skarsgård. Stellan Skarsgård. Jesus Christ. Thank you, Joe. I'm glad one of us has a, f- a functioning brain in their head today. Um, <laughs> but, uh. That scene, I, I thought it was incredible. Like, basic. God, I haven't seen the scene in a week. <laughs> Someone explain the scene because I'm going to lose my fucking mind. <laughs> yeah, it looks like uh, they're uh, running through like a, a factory or something like that, and they're getting fired on by blaster shots. And it is a very I- explosive, fast pass or fast paced scene with them just barely getting hit and just barely escaping in time is really exciting looking well there was the scene before that where they're they're basically just talking to each other before the empire shows up did you see that one joe okay i must have only seen the one then i'll have to go back and look at the other one there's actually the one where they were talking to each other yes guys there was actually when i sent you the links there actually i think four different links that you could click on 
They were all so. I think you guys thought that they were all just one big link. <laughs> oh, is, I, I, I see it now. I just clicked on the picture and then watched the the scene. It's like right before no, he's going to shoot the guy, but longer. There was four links that I sent you. Um, it's all right. Move on. I'll, I'll say if people want to see these scenes, they're they're. Andor's got me really excited. Andor's got me really excited. So if you guys want to see these scenes, I will be happy to send them to you. Just uh, send me an email, Brian at popcultureleftovers.com. Title it Andor, and I'll, I'll send you and I'll send you all four. I think it's four different links to the exclusive footage that they showed before the movie. So um, let's jump into our first movie that we all watched together, and this was. Um, we watched Baby Assassins, and this is on Haya streaming channel. And it's two high school girls receive orders from upper management to get real jobs, become roommates, and blend into normal society. They also happen to be highly skilled assassins who don't like each other. After an unfortunate run-in with the violent Yakuza, they quickly learn they must band together to survive an epic fight for their lives. It's directed by Yugo Sakamoto, and it stars um, Akari Takaishi as Chisato and uh, Sori uh, Izawa as Mahilo. And so basically you got two very young assassins, and they're about to graduate from high school, and they live together as roommates. Their, their handler uh, for this uh, uh, assassin company that they work for uh, is basically saying that you have to um, find – you have to blend into normal society and you have to find part-time work, just a part-time job. And, um, you know, we'll do your taxes and things like that for you. We'll take care of all of that. Your main job is your assassins. But in order to blend in with society, we have to we have to have you working part time jobs. And um, so it's. I don't know, like when the movie first started, I didn't know what I was in for. We see our one of our two girls here, uh, Mahilo, and she's at a job interview and she seems very kind of like not engaged in the conversation. He's going through the interview process for the job, and she just has she's she's very um, she's not used to talking with people. She's not used to like social interaction. She has a lot of social anxiety, and and she, and and it's just a very awkward kind of interview that turns into there's a point where I don't know how much I want to get into this but I you know, this is a hard one to talk about because uh, because I don't want to I don't I don't want to spoil this fucking movie oh fuck I'm going to pass this off I'm fucking out of it this week guys I apologize I'm going to pass it off I want to hear what you guys thought about this movie um, Joe tell me about this movie because apparently I can't explain it <laughs> so yeah she's having this job interview and it, it's it's really not going the way she wants and then we get this really epic fight scene at the beginning of the movie and and then it, it kind of changes up direction a little bit and we get to see a bit of the the home life between these two young assassins and 
and they they couldn't be more different. I mean, one the one at the beginning who was having the job interview is she's she's very very quiet, not very outgoing, and the other one is is very bubbly, really uh, loves hanging out with her coworkers in her other job, and almost doesn't really take her assassin stuff quite as seriously and so that's kind of a point of contention between the two but as the movie goes on they kind of develop this dynamic and they're they're both so quirky um I, I'm, I'm thinking specifically of the scene where um the the one bubbly roommate gets home and she's getting her her plates and stuff to have uh the the supper and as she's going back and forth between the kitchen she's making these type noises and she's like oh that's the sound a dog makes when it's walking on a wood floor so it's like she has to make a sound effect like she's a happy dog and uh it just kind of struck me as funny um but this movie is it's it's i kept describing it to myself as this is like an anime that was like brought to life like it's the characters are over the top like that, and you get introduced to these this yakuza guy and his kids, and they're all kind of goofbally, but at the same time very threatening, and um, and they they these girls get kind of wrapped up in this thing where they kill this guy that worked for these yakuza, and so then they start looking for these girls, and for me this movie really shines the most in its third act because there's a fantastic fight scene in it and the fight choreography i feel like the fight scenes in this movie are kind of few and far between there's like a a really good one at the beginning and a a really really spectacular one at the end and then just kind of a lot of character development and plot right in the middle that that i i feel like had they put a little bit more action in i think the movie would have been definitely more exciting but still that stuff in the middle did a lot to fill in for the heart of the movie. And so it's, it's kind of a weird one to rate. Cause going into it, I was like, Oh great. I, I love martial arts movies. And you could kind of say this is a martial arts movie, but you can also say it's kind of like a, like a, a, a buddy movie between these, these two girls and their journey of kind of learning to accept each other and learning that they need each other to kind of rely on each other. Uh, for me, it was a, it was a taste it with like a, a Tupperware of a fight scene in the, in the, at the beginning and the end. I, I like this movie a lot more than you. I'm at a Tupperware for this one. It was just so quirky. And like when we did get action, it was phenomenal. But I more than anything, not only did I love the action, but I just love the interactions between these two girls and how they're very much teenage girls and they'll be doing teenage girl stuff. But on the flip side, at the same time, they're also talking about like their assassin job. So like, the washer starts making a wild noise and they run out to the washing machine and they open it up. And one of the girls has left her magazine clip with ammo in it. So there's like a magazine in there with bullets strung all over the place. And they fucking, she's got to, you know, dry these bullets off and, 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 and clean up this magazine. And, and then there's, they're getting into like this argument about like the girl makes food and she's adding pepper to it and the other girl doesn't like spicy food and then you know the one roommate left early to go to her part-time job and she just left the other girl there with this guy who's tied up that now she has to fucking cut up and and dispose of his body and she's all upset about you know the girl making fun of her being childlike because she doesn't like spicy food and she's like you're harassing me you're spicy food harassing me you leave a dead body you blah 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 and i'm just like this is just so fucking wild i am 
you know, and like, you know, just scenes of like, you know, she's late for her part time job. No, she's late, uh, running late to one of her assassinations. And she's, she's like, I'm running late. I'm running late. And she's like panicking and she's looking. She's like, okay, I've got my keys. I've got the gun. The gun's loaded. The safety's on. It's just like, it's just like watching just kind of like irresponsible teenage girls who also happen to be assassins. And the comedy I thought was fucking amazing. I loved um, the younger Yakuza girl who her dad is like the leader of the Yakuza and and he's giving her a little bit more to do here. Um, the gunfu scenes that we have at the end are some of the best where it's like she's trying to pop off shots on this fucking like uh, martial arts master and he is just fucking evading her. It was incredible. Uh, I fucking Tupperware this. I loved this movie. Um, it's like, it's almost like somebody had watched, I don't know, you, you said like an anime, and I also feel like like the quirkiness and the dialogue, it's like they took like the some of the best stuff from like Kevin Smith movies and then added like martial arts to it. I Tupperware this. I fucking loved it. I've actually ordered it on Blu-ray. I have to have a physical copy because I want to make sure that I can watch this um, at all times because I... I've actually watched it twice now and oh, uh, nice. it's, 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 I think it's fantastic. I think like we get, you know, some of these action centric movies this, this year and last year that, that feature female leads. And it's like, I wasn't a big fan of gunpowder milkshake with Karen Gillan. I felt like the action in that was so like, like really bad, um, very badly done. But then we get prey with Amber mid thunder. It's fucking awesome. And then I think like these girls here, these two girls, especially the girl that plays um, Mahilo, really Hollywood needs to be looking at her. I would love to see both of these girls like show up in a John Wick movie. I think it'd be incredible. Very oh, for sure. Very. She's a she's an amazing martial artist. But then we get stuff like this, and it's like this is like like this is the kind of fucking action I come for. When we when we did get action in this movie, I fucking Tupperware the fuck out of it. I loved it. I just thought it was so charming and sometimes and, and super brutal at times. And Jake, what did you think? I got to know what you thought. This was my favorite thing I watched this week for the podcast. This was an absolute Tupperware for me as well. Um, I was surprised at how much I loved this. I mean, at the core, this movie is about two girls that are very opposite and the will they won't they be friends type of storyline going on and yeah the action was amazing but honestly my favorite stuff was just the them living their life like the slice of life scenes with these two characters and how hilarious and awkward it was like just even the smallest stuff had me cracking up in this movie where we're just watching them sitting on the couch and one is watching tv and the other one's playing nintendo switch and every time the one moves it yanks the fucking tv setup the other one has going on and just the dumb stuff like that and like yeah the action was few and far between but i enjoyed everything else so much and the action when we got it was so fucking good that that never bothered me at all like i would love to see a sequel to this movie i would instantly watch that um I didn't know this was avail- available as a physical media. I think that's awesome that you bought it. Uh, this movie's fucking great. Like, this is worth a month of high yacht just to watch this movie. It's only two ninety nine a month, so yeah, it was it was so good. I love the bad guys were fucking awesome too. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, 
the dynamic between the brother and the sister and the father was so interesting. Um, oh my God, the scene where she's where they're both at that job. What what do they call that restaurant that she worked at? It had a name. I forget. Now. I can't remember the name of it, but it, it was like this bizarre. It's like this ca- this cafe with like this bizarre theme. Did you see? At C2E2, they had a setup like this, and they had some girls dressed up like that, and guys were sitting at tables. It was, like, in the center. I did see that. It was, like, um, I forget what the name of that place was, but, yeah, we were wondering what the fuck that was the first time we walked by it, and then we kind of saw the sign the next time. It's it's basically, like, you walk in to this – it's, like, an indoor cafe, and these girls are dressed – how would you describe how they're even dressed? It was – it's like a little bit of a maid costume with yeah. a little bit of furry action mixed in there, and uh... <laughs> and they, they I guess they, they would come up with like with their own names, and they, they would say that they were from another planet, and they would greet the men that come in there as like their master. Oh, our master is home! Our master is home! Yeah, very subservient. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and then then they would while they're waiting on their food or drink or whatever, they would play games with you at the table, like. It was very bizarre, but you're like, are you talking about the the scene where the Yakuza show up? Yeah, I, both scenes I thought were very good. All the scenes in that restaurant I thought were very interesting. Yeah, um, man, the, the two leads were just so fucking good. I would yes. love, like, if not to see a sequel, like just anything with either of these two leads in it again. I would watch in a second. They were just, like, you said, so fucking charming. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I didn't really know what I was going to get from like the first 15 minutes of this movie but then about halfway through when we're just seeing all the slice of life living together stuff i was just instantly won over by this movie when all that stuff started going on i I loved this me too dude i i watched this um you know early in the week and then i was like today i was like oh my god i stopped watching some other things and i was like i've got to watch this again i love this movie so fucking much yeah it's it's movie of the year contender for me honestly (laughs) it's so good (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> it's so good jake right it was it was so fucking good uh, uh, it's it's a nice surprise when it's like you know i i wasn't necessarily looking forward to watching this and i i don't know if that made me love it even more but oh man this was the the biggest surprise of the week for me i this movie was so fucking good it's a disservice not to watch this movie if you're gonna watch anything we talk about this week this is the thing to watch in my opinion yeah it's baby assassins you can watch it on Haya. you can get it on video on demand you can buy the physical copy like i did or i think it's also on hoopla if you have a hoopla subscription through your library if they offer that offer that you can watch it there but um man i love this fucking movie so much it's <laughs> so good this might be my favorite thing too jake i think it is because i watched it twice yeah it's it's definitely up there it's definitely one of the top three movies i've seen this year (laughs) it's so good see i think i went into it just with an expectation that there was going to be a lot more action in it and and so i i think that probably just colored my viewing experience where i was watching it just being like okay okay when are we gonna have more action but i did think that everything you know all of that character development ever stuff and, and all that stuff was really good and charming in it. So I, I think I just went into it with an expectation and it, it ended up doing me dirty. But I did, did myself dirty as a result. Man, I it just yeah. I think when the action hits, it hits like there's the, you know, the scene in the cafe. And I'm just like, motherfucker, you don't know who you're in the room with, dude. 
Yeah. And that made me jump up and go, oh, shit. Yeah. (laughs) That was really, really awesome. I mean, that scene in the cafe, I'm just like, you do not know. You are judging these girls and you're judging one. You know, I mean, it's like you don't know who you're in the fucking room with. I was like, that fucking scene was so awesome. I mean, I I think I I thought the stakes were real in this movie, too. That's one thing I really liked about it in my first viewing. Like, I I really it wasn't like a James Bond scenario where, you know, like no matter what, he's going to he's going to be fine. Like, I I was worried for these girls the entire movie. I never thought they were safe. Yeah, it's so good. This is an absolute Tupperware. I fucking loved it. Um, That is Baby Assassins. Please do yourself a a favor and watch it. It is is fantastic. Um, Yeah, Blu-ray only cost me $14.99, Jake. That's a fucking steal. (laughs) Nice. Uh, Salvage Marines. This is a, a crackle original in a grim future of corporate tyranny and deep space combat. Samuel Heist has entered his life as a factory laborer, daring not to dream of a life beyond the polluted industrial planet of Bane 6. Everything changes when his young wife, Sura, reveals that she is pregnant. Now Samuel is faced with the harsh reality that his child would be born into the same debt servitude that he was. Determined to create a better life for his growing family, Samuel and his best friend Ben Takeda sign up for the hazardous life of salvage marines, the foot soldiers of a militarized deep space operation. It's directed by Sean Paul Pacino, uh, Pacino, Pacino and uh, stars Casper Van Dien as uh, Samuel Heist. And so, yeah, it's like a... Uh, it's it's like a very it's like a futuristic sci-fi show and 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 basically people are living a whole life of servitude and most people have a life debt and the only way to get out of that life debt and to get ahead in this life and not leave a life debt to your kids is to join um the salvage marines and fight with them and um it very much reminded me like it doesn't have like quite like the budget of like a starship troopers but it very do- very did much remind me of like the way that those soldiers kind of like talk to one another and and um uh act around each other it did remind me a lot of starship troopers in that way um I've been a fan of Casper Van Dien since Starship Troopers. Um, I even like the the uh, animated Starship Troopers movie that came out a few years ago that was a Fathom event. I went to the theater for the one night only to watch it, and I fucking loved it. I thought it was awesome. And I bought the Steelbook <laughs> version of it on Blu-ray because um, I loved it. And I was like, kind of like really excited to watch this show. I've watched three episodes and I'm really, I mean, yes, the budget is, it's a very low budget sci-fi show, but it has a lot of shit that has been keeping my interest and I'm three episodes in. I'll kind of get into it a little bit more, but uh, Jake, what did you think about um, Salvage Marines? I thought it was okay. I only had time to watch the first episode. I'm going to give it a taste it. I really don't have anything insanely negative to say about the show. It's just the first episode was like nothing but set up. And it's like I wish I would have had time to see the second episode and see a little bit of the payoff to all that setup. Um, I thought the characters were set up very nicely, though. It seems like there's potentially some kind of like 
romantic thing going on between Casper Van Dien's character and one of his crewmates, even though we know the character is married and, and his wife is pregnant. I, I don't know if I'm misreading that going on. Oh, you're not. You're definitely not. I was kind of intrigued to see how that storyline played out. And, you know, they make such a meal about how dangerous this job is that I'm definitely I'll definitely watch another episode or maybe two just to kind of see what they're talking about. Like, I'm very intrigued as to why this is such a dangerous fucking job. They they really don't quite tell you. They just imply that not very many people uh, make it out alive by the end of this. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to give it a taste it. It's it's a weird taste it because, like, I really don't have anything terrible to say about it. It was just a lot, a lot of setup. Yeah, I've actually I've gotten past like their whole like basic training and I've gotten into like some of the battles and shit. And I mean, you're starting to figure you're starting to see a lot more of like how the government is is still incurring even more life debt upon them because like they'll get banged up and then like they'll lose a limb or something like that. And then they'll, they'll add like the, so they'll replace like body parts and shit like that with like robotics. And it's like, Oh, that was expensive. Uh, yeah, we've added, you've incurred more life debt. So that means you've got more service and it's like, Oh, it's like, it's like a never ending cycle. So like, if you don't die, it's like, will you ever get out of this debt? It's so, uh, and there's definitely kind of like a a, a relationship that sparks with uh, not a relationship, but there's like a flirtation that sparks between uh, Sam and uh, I think her name is Jada. There's a scene where he's like in a cryo shower and it's kind of like, you know, like a back to tank, you know, in Star Wars, they're in a cryo shower and he goes in the cryo shower and she's in the cryo shower and she leaves the cryo shower and she's like, are you leaving? And he's like, no, I'm going to stay in here for a few more minutes. And you know he's fucking, he doesn't want to get out because he's probably got a boner. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was funny. Um, I mean, there are some like moments of comedy. And and um, I just like the, I, I've always liked stuff like this as far as like, you know, the Starship Troopers and like the relationships between like the like the soldiers and stuff like that, how it's, you know, kind of comical and no one's safe. And even the same thing with like aliens, you know, like the way that those Marines interacted with one another. I feel like this is another thing where they're, you've got these Marines and, and they're always saying, this is the job and I'm digging it. And then all the scenes with Armand Asante is in this as well. And all this, <laughs> that hologram of Armand Asante just fucking slays me. I would love to just watch like whatever they filmed with him, watch it on a loop because it's fucking great. I'm going to high taste it on this one. I'm actually going to finish this series. Again, the only thing, the only drawback is that for me is the fact that it's on crackle and I got to watch like a zillion commercials. But um, Joe, what did you think about? Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. What was the name of the character that he was like a little bit romantically interested in? I think her name was Jade or Jada. Jada. That's that's his actual real life wife. Did you know that? I didn't. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's Casper Van Dien's real life wife. They've been married since 2018. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. That explains the chemistry. Yeah, they have. Yeah. They Those have. two characters definitely had chemistry where you're like, you're watching it and you're like, oh, these two are going to do something that yeah. I, I don't want this main character to do because they introduced us to his pregnant wife in the I first know. episode. Yeah. Yeah. And he's he's actually got like other soldiers telling him like, you know, this kind of stuff happens, you know. So, yeah. What do you think, Joe? 
This is also a high taste it for me. Um, and I was also getting those same Starship Trooper vibes on it. And um, I'm halfway through episode four, and and I, I'm really digging the plot for this because there's some really, really deep threads that are going because it's these two rival corporations going against each other that are kind of racing to scoop up these resources that are around the galaxy and they're fighting and willing to kill for it. And they have these basically indentured servants that are forced to do it. And and they come up with all these debt traps to just keep piling more debt on these soldiers. And to hear like Armand Asante's character, who's like this leader of the, um, oh, what are they called? The Grotto? Yeah, the leader of the Grotto. And then the guy who works r- dire- directly under him, that dude with the Scottish accent, that guy's one yeah. evil bastard. Yeah, he doesn't and care about human life at all. It's basically... Neither of them do. Neither, they, they just, yeah. To them, it's it, to them it's just a, a math it's just a mathematical equation. It is is what we're going to get here worth more than you know the death benefits that we're going to try and screw these families out of when these soldiers die? Oh, and here's the other sick part: if this soldier dies, but he's had like all these different cybernetics and replacement uh, real flesh and stuff put into him, that debt will get passed on to his wife and maybe even his his unborn child. Yeah. And so it's like these corporations that are doing this are absolutely evil. And and as the show goes on, these soldiers are getting asked to do things where they're like, hey, this isn't a salvage mission. You're having us do stuff that we're not supposed to be doing and it's super dangerous and we're getting killed and you're not doing anything to help us. And so these um, soldiers are kind of starting to organize because they want to try and put a union together for their own um, benefit to try and protect them. And so there's a lot of deep threads in this going. Now, it doesn't have the biggest production value. It, It almost feels like you're watching like early seasons of like next generation or, or even like the first star Trek, but, but I didn't really care. I mean, like one of my favorite guilty pleasure watches, the uh, 2000 uh, Dune miniseries from sci-fi, and that has terrible production value, but it has such a good story that it always pulls me in. And that's what this is like as well. I think it has a very good story that pulls you in. And mm-hmm. and like you said, the the only negative about this is watching it on Crackle. Yeah. Because you, you'll just get bombarded with, with ads. I, I think in the average episode, and they're like, what, 40, 44-minute episodes, somewhere in that range – you're talking five commercial breaks that are, you know, two and a half to three minutes long. Yeah. And, you know, and you might get hit with the same ad three times in a row. Um, but I just kind of got myself into a groove where I was, you know, I was watching it on my phone. And when the ad break would come up, I would just do something else. And so it was like I was watching something entertaining and also kind of getting shit done at the same time. Um, but I plan on finishing this. I think it's eight episodes overall. And I think I'm, it's six. I'm, Oh, is it six? Sweet. I think it's then I'm six. like over halfway through. Yeah, yeah. And let me just say this: for 54 years old, Casper Van Dien is—I would never have guessed that he was 54. I mean, he's stayed in great shape since like the Starship Trooper days. So, man, I, I didn't know until you said that because the show kind of paints him in his mid 40s, and I was buying that. Oh my god, I, I, I was, I, I was. Uh... Jake, I was flabbergasted when I saw that he was born in 68. I was just like, this guy's fucking he's 10 years older than me and he looks fucking fantastic. I'm just like, this guy's kept himself in great fucking shape. And he's I mean, it's believable when he's out there and he's doing like, you know, some of these action scenes. So, um, 
I thought they make the most out of the budget too. I mean, yeah, it's it's cheap. It has a real like Blake Seven kind of sci fi vibe to it. But I thought they did a lot of interesting stuff with the camera to make up for all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. lots of nice overhead shots, like lots of swooping shots. Like I, it was very well filmed for as cheap as it was. I I, I think it adds to the charm for me. I mean, I love uh, Stephen uh, Stephen Kostansky's Manborg. Um, you know that he's the director of uh, Psycho Gorman, but he did a movie called Manborg, which is very low budget, but it's super funny and it's it's very well filmed and and I think this just kind of is in there. It, it kind of like the same for me. It's just I kind of think it adds to the charm uh, because the story is so good, and I think like the interactions between the stories are so uh, b- between the soldiers is so good, and then everything that's going on with like the evil corporation like, that, that Joe mentioned is is very intriguing. So, yeah, I'm I'm at a high taste it and I'm going to be finishing this as well. I wish there was an ad free on Crackle. Um Oh, take my money. Yeah, because <laughs> right? Yeah, because yeah, it's, you know, I mean, I I see the ads pop up and it's like one of seven and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I always see the time pop up and I'm like, two minutes and 15 seconds. What the yeah. fuck? <laughs> how does crackle make money i guess it's all these ads it's all yeah. the ads yeah yeah it's a uh, crackle's owned by sony so mm. did you recognize the the actor that was playing tack his best friend uh peter shinkoda no he played nobu in the first season of daredevil okay okay the, the red the red ninja that he has to go up against that really fucks him up yeah okay very cool. i was watching it the whole time staring at his face going i know this guy and i looked him up on imdb i'm like yes that's what he was in so yeah cool to see him doing other stuff i would watch future seasons of this man i really would i hope it gets fucking <laughs> renewed i dug it yeah same here so uh, let's jump into the next thing. Uh, uh, untold Operation Flagrant Foul. This is the second Untold that we're going to be talking about. Uh, we what was it? Was it last week we talked about the uh, the rise and fall of And One? This week, Operation Flagrant Foul. Years after serving time for betting on games, he officiated. Former NBA referee Tim Donahue revisits the scandal that shook up the league. This is on Netflix, and. Um, I was familiar with this, but I didn't follow it like intensely. So a lot of this was a lot of this was new to me while watching this episode. Um, and man, they do not paint David Stern very well. I've heard so many horror stories about the late David Stern after his death and they really did not paint him very well in this uh, in this episode of the docuseries but yeah you've got a guy here Tim Donahue who was a, an NBA referee and he was feeding insider information to a friend of his that was placing bets on these games and we're talking about they're saying millions of dollars exchanging hands here for, for some of these bets and uh, super illegal, super, super, <laughs> super illegal down to the point where it's like you've his buddy basically said that at one time Tim said that he could influence a game 
six points either way if he wanted to. And, I mean, it, they even got into some of the, like, the insider baseball with it that David Stern was saying, you know, certain teams, I want games to go seven games and I want certain players to get preferential treatment. I want certain teams to get preferential treatment in the playoffs. And when you watch some of like the footage from those games, knowing this, it really does feel that way. Like, like there was definitely something going on, especially, you know, with the back office telling them, this is how we want you to officiate these games. It really felt like there was some preferential treatment. But the big thing here is the fact that this guy was, 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 a, was part of this scandal, um, betting on these NBA games. I, I, was, uh, I, th- I thought this was very well done. Um, and I think like the characters that we met in this, like his buddy and then the other guy, that Batista guy. I mean, Batista, yeah. I mean, it's like it felt like I I didn't know if I was watching a documentary or like like these guys felt like they were straight out of a movie. You know what I mean? Like a Scorsese film or something. Yeah, it was like a Sopranos like missing episode. Or right? Something. Yeah, man. I I dug it, man. I'm gonna give it a Tupperware. I I, I thought that the the handling of of um, of of how they uh, looked at everybody in this documentary was interesting especially the, the 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 there's a point where they meet at the marriott it's batista tim donahue and tim donahue's childhood friend that's also a part of the scandal they all meet and they all seem to have different stories about what really took place at the marriott tim donahue the referee will tell you that he was basically kind of threatened that if he didn't give them this information that, you know, they knew where his family lived, blah, blah, blah. He, he felt like his life was threatened. But then Batista, that guy, he'll tell you that, oh, Tim was all in from the beginning. Yeah, man. He's sure. Yeah, let's do this. Let's make some money. So um, I give it a Tupperware. I thought it was fascinating. Uh, Jake, what did you think about uh, Untold Operation Flagrant Foul? Yeah, I loved this. I liked this more than the end one episode. And I thought that was a good episode, too. But th- this was an absolute Tupperware for me. I was just so fascinated the entire way with this. I mean, there was so much crazy stuff going on. And yeah, I kind of lend towards believing Batista because honestly, if he was like he accepted such a small amount of money, like he left so much fucking money on the table doing this that I thought it made Tim look very dumb. Like, I, what was he getting? Two thousand a game? Did did, like, did he? Hmm. Well, I don't know. Allegedly, allegedly, right? because they were trying to ask him throughout this, like, how much did you really make? And he was very kind of right. He was. He was. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's true. Towards the end, they kind of made a big meal about whether or not he did make more money. But uh, I don't know. I don't see why he wouldn't just admit to it at this point. Like he did the crime. He did the time. Like in what more trouble can he get in? I I thought it kind of made him look kind of stupid that he was only taking this this small amount of money to do this. Um, 
yeah, I, I liked the inside look at just being a referee in the NBA. I thought that was really, really fascinating. I loved seeing the footage of his first game and him making that call and like the guy basically saying, well, we're going to see if you deserve this job or, or not right now on your first day. We're going to go watch this tape. And uh, I thought that was really fucking cool. Um yeah, it made David Stern look like such a fucking douchebag, though. Like, it's hard not to believe that in one way or another, he wasn't influencing some of the dynamics that were happening in the NBA with uh, cutting certain players breaks, making playoffs go longer than they should. Like, I don't know. I'm, I kind of buy into that kind of shady shit was going on. Um And honestly, I believe that Stern was probably the one that ended up leaking this story to kind of put a stop on it. Like I I bought into that narrative as well. I I thought that was one thing that made this really good was it doesn't you kind of have to sit and think about it and decide for yourself what's the facts and what's the fiction here. And I've thought about it every day since I've watched it. I, I think this might be, in my opinion, the best sports documentary I've watched all all year. It's real. It's very good. It is very good. And yes, I man, I think yeah. I've heard so many stories about David Stern. I think he was very shady. So yeah, yeah. Joe, what do you think about this? Yeah, this this was riveting. It, it was a Tupperware for me as well. Uh, I I totally think that David Stern was was the one who leaked this. Um, when it got to that point in the doc, and and the the FBI was you know because they had all these other uh refs that had been implicated that they were looking into and as soon as the it was like one of the boss guys was like oh well you know we just need to tell the we need to tell david stern we need to tell the commissioner that that we're doing this and right when they said that like out loud watching i'm like don't you can't fucking tell the guy at the top you're gonna tell the guy that's in charge of a multi-billion dollar company Hey, we're launching an investigation into something that's going to really hamper the the credibility and impact the 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 financial integrity of this multi billion dollar organization. You and have. then you he signs new TV deals. Partial? He signs all new TV deals. David Stern. It's it was it was absolutely dirty, and they totally that whoever that guy was in the FBI that made that call absolutely fucked up because there was way more wrongdoing going on, and I would love to take a glimpse into the alternate reality where he wasn't told and see how it actually shook down. Um, I'd also love to be a fly on the wall when they gathered all those refs in one room and said, I better not see even a single one of you motherfuckers buying a scratch ticket from here on out. You know, we're, 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 we're going with the tried and true method of the guy who got caught everything dirty. We're going to blame it on him. We're going to treat you all like you're not doing anything wrong. But from this point forward, like, because you know that I don't know, either that or the doc just did a very good job of painting that picture because it's such a salacious story. Um, but the 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 other big part was that he was talking about coming home with giant wads of hundreds. His wife told that story that she went to wash his jacket and she pulled out a wad of one hundreds the size of like a softball. That had to have been over thirty thousand dollars right there. And, and this guy's saying he only made that much, and then he does time in jail and gets out, and now he's owning multiple houses. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's a get the fuck out of here. Right. This and there's so many holes and flimsy cover ups in this. It's such, it, it it's just an incredible documentary. It's very very riveting, and um, th- this is one of those scandals that like 
I didn't really know anything about other than like mentions that like Bill Burr would make to it occasionally on his podcast talking about the NBA's fixed and they, they found that one mobbed up ref. And, and so to, to actually see this story in documentary form, it, it was, it was very entertaining. I, I don't know. What does this say? I don't know. Like, I know what he did was like so horrible, but there's like this moment where he's, you know, it's all out there. He's caught, he's busted, he's lost his, you know, I mean, he's losing his family. He's fucking, he's lost his job, his dream job. And he's like looking over a bridge and like wanting to jump. And I felt bad for him. Yeah, I felt bad for him too in like, that moment. Like, yeah, it's not like, listen, I feel like he got everything he deserved. I mean, he did. He, he deserved to get caught. He deserved to lose his job. Yes, you're putting your family up at risk when you're doing stuff like this. But it's like when he's talking about taking his own life, that's still like, yeah. That, oh man, that still fucking kind of like hit me hard. Like that messed me up a little bit. I, I felt bad for him in that moment. That he felt like he was so rock bottom at that moment. That he was prepared to take his own life like i don't want that for anybody like for something like this you know what i mean what he did was like despicable right but i don't think it's like worth ending your life over and it just made me feel because really, it could have gone that way you know oh i i agree i i thought you know i I'd, I'd briefly heard about this story before watching this not much but i always assumed it was all tim doing the fixing in his own games i was a little bit blown away that some of it was just insider information knowing what ref was going to ref what game and yeah. who had personal beef with certain coaches and and that kind of thing like it was it was more like i'm pretty sure there were games that tim wasn't even involved with that he was able to be an informant on and i i was kind of blown away by all that yeah he was like friends with the refs and like if uh you know he knew like you know this particular ref didn't like you know, particular basketball player. Cause they showed this scene of like Bonzi Wells when he was with Portland going off on the one ref and saying, fuck you, fuck you. Like if he knows like that ref has, has it out for Bonzi, you know, you know that Portland's going to have a hard time in that game. And he was basically just feeding it. it, it originally, he wasn't, he just feeding like information to his buddy, that guy, ja- uh, Jack Concanon. And just, you know, when they were playing golf, he was just giving him like, oh, yeah, go with this team, go with that team, blah, blah, blah. That's how it started off. Like, not innocent, but I guess innocent enough at first, right? Yeah. Yeah. Another thing that was crazy was all the ref gambling that they were doing, like how they'd gamble about who would be the first one to like blow the whistle. Like that taints the game so hard when you have that kind of money on the table for that kind of a wager. Yeah. You know, yeah, and they were, like, they were kind of waiting to see who, like how long it was going to be that they were almost like, I can't believe nobody's called something yet. Like they're kind of letting shit go because they didn't want to be the first one to blow the whistle. Yeah, yeah, you have to make it – it'd have to be so obvious that you had to blow the whistle to be able to do it. So they were, like, not being good refs because of these ref wagers they were having. And Tim made it sound like the whole fucking league was in on this kind of shit. And that's Yeah, that's definitely why they fucking blew the whistle on this fucking uh, investigation because they wow. knew that they were going to – you know, some, some referees were probably going to crack and it was going to bring down – the NBA and then David Stern makes all these new TV deals and then it leaks. I mean, it's just, it's insane. 
Yeah, like Joe said, like, I, you know, the alternate reality where they don't tell David Stern. I mean, at that point, the NBA turns into fucking Vince McMahon, WWF bullshit. Right. No one ever trusts it. You know, no one believes it anymore. And yeah, wow, I, I couldn't believe Stern offered that FBI agent a fucking job. My, my jaw fucking dropped at yeah. that shit. Yeah. I, I respect the integrity of that guy being like, yeah, fuck that. Right. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This right. was very, very good. Yeah, it's an absolute tepper. Jake, I'm sure you're wanting to take a break, aren't you? Oh, I, I could definitely use a break. I knew it. <laughs> I didn't know how much longer we'd be able to go without you saying it. I just didn't want to hear you fucking say it. It drives me insane. <laughs> oh, now I, just, I need a break so I can cry. I just want to cut you off at the pass. I don't. Want, I don't. I don't want to hear it. It's just, it's so pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> don't listen to him bladder <laughs> oh, we'll be right back back and uh, let's jump into the next thing it's uh the patient on uh, fx and hulu uh the patient is a psychological thriller from the minds of joel fields and joe weisberg uh from the americans it's about a therapist uh alan strauss played by steve carell who's held prisoner by a patient sam fortner played by donald gleason who reveals himself to be a serial killer Sam has an unusual therapeutic demand for Alan curb his homicidal urges. In order to survive, Alan must unwind Sam's disturbed mind and stop him from killing again. And it, like I said, it stars Steve Carell as the uh, therapist, Alan Strauss, and then Donald Gleason as Sam Fortner, a serial killer and new patient of Alan's. I think David Alan Greer is going to be showing up in future episodes. Uh, this is Correct. going to be a total of 10 episodes. David Alan Greer is going to be playing one of uh, Donald Gleason's former therapists and I think probably flashback scenes that we'll be getting. But we haven't gotten that far yet in the series. But, um, yeah, that is The Patient. Uh, Jake, what did you think about The Patient? I, I loved it. I, I thought it was a great show. It was a great filler, uh, a great thriller. I, it really ramped up the anxiety for me. Uh, yeah, I thought the acting was on point. The episodes were nice little bite-sized 22-minute episodes. Um, I watched the only two that were available, I believe. I don't think there's a third episode you can watch. And I, I thought both performances were so good and just the tension worked so well. Like when he got that plastic fork stuck in that fucking padlock like i felt that tension i'm just like oh my god you gotta get it out of there and um not the kind of stuff i'm used to seeing um steve carell in, and I, I thought he did just an excellent job here i i'm excited to see more of this you're at a tupperware with this one yeah i'm gonna tupperware this joe 
I'm also at a Tupperware on this. I, I loved this. And, man, those 20-minute episodes just flew by. Um, the, the performances in this were really great. The, the, the story it was setting up so far. And I really like the way they're telling the story with the flashbacks interconnected in. And I look forward to hearing or learning more about what kind of led up to this point in, in the main character's life as well. Because we know he lost his wife and he's dealing with that. He's estranged from his son. Uh, it seems like he's still got a bit of a relationship going with his daughter. Um, I, I think the 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 only downside to this is it's going to be, I think, 10 episodes in the season, and it's only 20 minutes every week. And so it's just going to be brutal to wait seven days for 20 minutes and then seven days for 20 minutes, you know? Um, I mean, it's only but, one episode a week, Joe. That's what they're doing? That's that's my understanding of it, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, and so I, I almost wish that they either would have done the episodes differently or or released them differently because just seven days for 20 minutes is going to be tough. And I know for some people, um, like that, that was one of my wife's chief complaints is she's like, oh, great, next week, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have forgotten everything we watched. She's like, there's no way I'm going to be able to remember this week to week. And And so I think for her – and, you know, probably other viewers like her, it'll probably work better to let these bank up a little bit and then watch them in a little bit more of a binge. But I think the story is so good. And personally, I, I don't really have problems remembering plot details. So I'll be watching this week to week just because the story was so engaging for me. I think I will let this build up personally. I, I don't know if I could just watch 20 minutes and then wait the next week. I think i'll just wait until it's completed and then finish the whole thing um yeah i I, i'm i'm very impressed with uh i'm very impressed with the acting in this with steve carell i think he's doing a great job as this therapist and part of me like with that you were talking about like you know he's trying to to get free and he's taking the the plastic fork and and the tine gets broken off in there. Part of me was just thinking, if he does get caught, I would just be like, fuck yeah, I'm trying to get out of here. You're holding me prisoner. <laughs> Are you surprised? Are you surprised? It's just so mad at him. It's just like, I don't know what this fucking, what Donald Gleason's character of Sam, like what his end game is here. It's like, oh, you just, you, you've, you've kidnapped the therapist. You're holding him hostage. You're making him treat you. And, let you know, like, let's say he magically can can fix you from having these impulses, these urges of homicidal killing. Then what? You just let him go free? I'm like, what is it? You are, this is, this, you are just... There, I don't know. I'm just like, I, I, it's a, how does this guy's fucking mind work? It's, <laughs> Do you think if Alan would have taken or if Sam would have taken Alan up on his deal of just letting him go, that Alan was telling the truth, that he would not have reported it to anyone, that he would have tried to help Sam? Or was that desperation? I, it's got to be desperation at that point, right? I mean, For I don't sure. know. Because... He says, you know, as long as you don't tell me you're planning on doing anything like this. And then he and then Sam does tell him that. And you see a legit like sigh from from Alan. It made me think that he was being legit with him in that moment. I think in that moment he's giving him the fucking, you know, doctor patient 
confidentiality shit that that's all he can fall back on. But I think once he's out of there, would you feel safe? No, no, no. Something's something's got to happen at that point. Yeah. Yeah, this is it's fascinating. I think it's a it's a really like um um it's it's an engaging show. It's a, it, it's it it is one of those things. It's like what if you were, you know, unbeknownst to you and like he's had previous therapy sessions with this guy and this guy really hasn't opened up and finally he's able to open up after he's been after he's kidnapped his therapist, now he can tell him everything. Now, now the healing can begin. It's crazy. It's, <laughs> it's wild. I, I think, uh, I think it is smart though, that, you know, some of the show is going to be taking place in the, uh, in the room where he's being held captive. And then, a, you know, and then another part of the show is going to be told through flashbacks. So it's not like we're just relegated to, to seeing scenes with these two actors in the, in the room together, which I'm not saying is not, you know, captivating as well. It's it's very engaging watching those two act off of one another. But I'm glad that it, they are mixing it up with some of the flashback scenes as well. So, nobody say anything. That's <laughs> I love that. This is just no. Let's just fucking sit here in silence. Let's just ride this fucker out. <laughs> Let's see where this goes. What are you, are you guys fucking? Are you guys on an ayahuasca high? What the fuck are you doing right now? I, I was just, I was just thinking about the show. I apologize. <laughs> if you guys are gonna talk, I'm just gonna play the rest of this fucking song. <laughs> That's just gonna make me sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll stop it. And then if somebody wants to fucking say something, uh, say something. <laughs> And if not, I thought, it was, I thought it was funny how Sam tried to make him feel better by like telling him you're the one I chose. Like you should you should be honored. Basically, I I went to all these different therapists and it was down to three of them, and you're the one I chose. So oh, I be know. Honored. I was thinking to myself like, oh my god, I wish I was a. I bet he's thinking I wish I was a shittier therapist because I, I thought the same thing. <laughs> like fuck, why did I? Why did I actually look like I cared? Oh, now I'm here. I know. I'm really intrigued by the sounds he's hearing in the house as well, that it seems like there's another person. And at one point, it almost sounded like there was another chain dragging around. But then the way that the second episode ends, it's like, well, whoever this other person is, they definitely have more free reign in the house. And I I just thought it was such a cliffhanger of a a second episode. Oh, yeah. That If if that's going to be the norm, then I don't know how you couldn't watch this week to week even even though they are short episodes but as soon as that second episode ended i immediately wanted the third one where was it where was this fucking insight when we had that grand canyon of a silence there <laughs> joe That's a very valid question where the fuck i mean seriously oh my god that was ridiculous <laughs> I, that might have been the biggest gap of silence in PCL history. Right it, uh, seriously, I think if fucking Evil Knievel was alive, he'd want to jump that fucker. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of one of those things where at first it was like, 
oh, that's a lot of silence. And then instead of thinking of something to say, I'm just thinking about the silence. I'm like, like, what the fuck? Are these guys forgetting that we're in a podcast right now? What is going on? (laughs) I get done saying something and it's nothing. It's nothing. And it's like, what the fuck? That's how good this show was, man. We're just stunned (laughs) fucking silent from it. Oh, my God. (laughs) But, yeah, make no mistake. There is, like, really no comedy in this show whatsoever. Like, it is a pure thriller, in my opinion. Oh, man, that that scene where where he finally does open up and he starts talking about I've been watching this guy and he says the interaction and it was such a little I mean, not really a little thing, but it's like the guy was kind of smug to him and talked down to him. And he's like, when that happens, I, I can't stop thinking about it. And it, it kind of makes you think, God damn, you really should be polite to everybody because you, you never know like what person you might piss off and then you're on somebody's mental list oh my yeah that's true if that's if that's true oh my god this podcast somebody might fuck jake how many people have i pissed off doing this show oh man yeah i'm surprised you're not locked in someone's basement right now no shit yeah (laughs) hey welcome to pcl i'm fucking (laughs) this is fucking week seven i'm trapped in this basement (laughs) (laughs) oh man what a show yeah i think i'm gonna go every other week on this one i thought two episodes was perfect i every other week i think i'll get caught up on this thing yeah i don't know i don't know i I think i just wait until it's all completed and then i'll just binge it so yeah let's move on from this one jesus christ fucking silence of the lambs there earlier (laughs) that's a very good comparison to this show (laughs) And to you guys, and to you guys not talking. (laughs) Let's talk about, uh, oh my God, this is Jake. This episode sucks. I don't, I don't think it sucks. (laughs) Joe, where are you at with this strong? Where are you at with this fucking episode, Joe? I think it's pretty good. I'm not. Oh, come on. We had a stumble there. But <laughs> oh yeah, come on! No, yeah. we're, we we are still stumbling. <laughs> I agree with that. I think stumbling makes for some of the more entertaining episodes. Though. Uh, look it at, may seem it may seem bad to us, but I, I think the listeners are eating this shit up. You're a, gla- a glass half full guy over there. That eight you. seconds of silence—that's going to be on the fucking like. PCL episode 1000 where we're like playing all the best clips. Oh yeah, we're gonna, we're just gonna hey let's let's play the eight seconds of silence and we literally <laughs> we literally just play those eight seconds of silence. <laughs> That'll be the C two E two shirt next year. It'll just be quotation dot 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 quotation. <laughs> Make sure that we put eight dots in there for each second where you fuckers didn't chime in say anything. <laughs> the fuck were you guys doing no, so i really was just thinking about the show and then the silence <laughs> was so long that it felt awkward to be the one to break it so it's just like <laughs> like let's just let's just ride with this fucker let's see how it goes yeah yeah let's just see how long, let's just see how long this goes it was the right decision it became podcast gold i had to point it out because it was fucking ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> Jake, we've been doing this for nearly 10 years. We're supposed to be seasoned podcasters, 
And yet we run into that. <laughs> we definitely need four people on every episode now. I think that's what that proved. <laughs> I honestly think if we had a fucking fourth person, they'd be fucking staring at the goddamn wall like you two. <laughs> they'd be fucking lost in La La Land too. <laughs> Oh boy! <laughs> I don't care. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Let's talk about Pantheon on AMC Plus. I mean, I didn't like this at all. No, I fuck. I didn't like it at all. Based on a collection of short stories from Ken Liu about uploaded intelligence or human consciousness uploaded to the cloud, Pantheon focuses on Maddie, a bullied teen who receives mysterious help from someone online. The stranger is soon revealed to be her recently deceased father, David, whose consciousness has been uploaded to the cloud following an experimental destructive brain scan. David is the first of of a new kind of being, an uploaded intelligence, or UI. But he will not be the last, as global conspiracy unfolds that threatens to trigger a new kind of world war. It stars Daniel Day Kim, Katie Chang, Rosemary DeWitt, Ron Livingston, Aaron Eckhart... Scoot McNary. Um, oh, nice. Scoot McNary. <laughs> <laughs> Scoot. Scoot McNary. <laughs> I like the calm ones. Scoot. My name is Scoot McNary. Very calm right now. Very calm right now. <laughs> Man, I it always drives me crazy in an animated show when there's no apparent reason that the show needs to be animated, when there's nothing so fantastical that they couldn't have just like filmed this with real actors. And I, that's the way I felt about this show. I mean, there was like a stinger at the end of the first episode where they, they showed like what's coming up in the season. And it seemed like maybe from there on it's going to get a bit more fantastical. But it kind of lost me by the end of the first episode. And I really didn't care to watch more. Um it seemed very obvious where the plot was going from the beginning too. like as soon as you were getting the weird messages on the computer and as soon as you knew something was going on with their father, like if, it just seemed like just spit it out already and let's move on to the next fucking plot point. Um, I hated the emoji rebus puzzle bullshit that was going on too. Like I, I, unless the character explicitly said what the emojis meant, I had no idea what the fuck was happening during most of that. I know. Um, yeah, I didn't. I didn't care for this at all. This was a toss it for me. This is a huge toss it for me. I once this was over, I was like, thank God. I, I was just yeah. so happy. I was just like, I'm not watching the second episode. I know it's available. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, and I was kind of excited on paper to see this. I was like, oh, it's an animation. It's yeah. AMC+. Plus. It's They're kind of dipping their feet into doing animation. But it's got a pretty good cast, too. Yeah, the cast is very good. And, you know, not only was the story blasé, but I, I thought the, the animation itself was just like it seemed like it was missing frames practically. Like it was not the smoothest prettiest animation by any means whatsoever and you can get away with that if you've got a nice stylistic approach to it but it just looked like a hundred other things i've seen before but not as good the anime studio that did this i believe is titmouse titmouse oh, is that true yeah titmouse 
Titmouse Animation, yeah. Titmouse Animation. They've done uh, Pantheon, Beavis and Butthead, The Boys Diabolical. Yeah. I wasn't impressed either, sadly. Joe, what did you think about Pantheon? Yeah, I liked this a lot better than you guys did. I watched both episodes, and in... I, I'm, I'm going to say something that I know it's not going to catch you guys anyway, but I feel like you have to watch both episodes to kind of have the no. heart of this. Sh- yeah, I know. <laughs> I was waiting for it. <laughs> because the way the second episode ends, like it, it, it like almost made me roll a tear. And I was like, oh, OK, cool. They, they got some heart in this. But otherwise, this is a this is a very earnest show. There's there's almost no humor in this. It's it's very very serious uh i'm i i like the animation style i thought it worked pretty well with what they were doing i like the concept of uh a human uh consciousness uploaded into uh like a virtual system and then it being able to kind of live in perpetuity there give me that black mirror episode man Oh, I don't know if I've seen that one. Are you kidding me? It's like uh, oh, it's San Junipero. Yeah, yeah, San Junipero. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like that's like the one ha- happy Black Mirror episode. <laughs> yeah, that one's great. Um, I'd say it's yeah. the most famous one too. Yeah, probably. I mean, I haven't seen that many of them. That was one that was overwhelmingly recommended to me mm-hmm. years ago when yeah. when I first started kind of dipping my toes in those waters. Um, I'd watched a couple episodes and I was like, damn, this show just makes me feel like I need a shower. And, and I think it was Paul Hart saying, oh, you got to watch the San Junipero one. And he wasn't wrong. And, and I, I love that sci-fi concept. Um, uh, and in this one, dude, in the second episode, it shows how it's done, how they actually get somebody's mind in there. And these, this corporation that's doing this, they're, they're up to some fucking really evil shit with this. I mean, they're kind of forcibly taking their own scientists and engineers that are trying to defect and putting them in there. And it is a violent medical, like violent invasive medical procedure to get it done. And it's horrifying seeing it done. And there's a a great uh, other subplot going with this other teenage boy. That's like a kind of a super genius and his whole life is kind of a sham and he doesn't realize it. Like his parents are, like in secret actually working for this corporation and like reporting back and like they're trying to make it seem like it's this abusive home life with like a real piece of shit dad and like a a, a mom that is you know just kind of a homemaker that's trying to do her best but really they're both secretly working for this organization reporting on what this genius kid is doing and so i'm curious how that's going to factor in um uh, for me it's it's just to taste it because it, it was very dry and the for the episodes only being 40 minutes, they felt longer than that. And I think it was just because they were mostly devoid of any sort of joy, uh, at least until the end of the second episode. But there's kind of a turning point there where I'm curious how it's going to go in the future of the show, especially combined with that sneak peek of the season that you get at the end of the first episode. Um I, I don't see this as, as being one where as soon as next week rolls around, be like, all right, next episode of of pantheon here we go uh but it, it it did hook me enough by the end of the second episode that i'd give it a high taste it or uh, taste it not high taste it 
Man, it's, it's got you so fucked up. You don't even know what your rating is, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> You're waffling on your rating. Did they? Did they? Did they? Did they perform the procedure on you, Joe? What's going on, buddy? <laughs> I'm fucking with you. I, no, I'm not in a physical space right now. I'm just hanging out with Skype. And <gasps> oh my god, that would I like, dude? I haven't seen Joe at the last three C2E2s. I haven't either. <laughs> <laughs> He's just Joe's living in the cloud. Oh, that's fuck. <laughs> I need to get one of those hologram projectors and me and Armand Asante can hang out with you guys. (laughs) Oh, he is so good in that role. He is so good. That's funny. (laughs) Joe, where do you, where do you stand on tofu stir fry being a home cooked meal or not? (laughs) Hey, done the right way. Tofu is really good in Asian dishes. Yeah, I, I guess it, once you find out that the whole thing was a sham, that whole thing makes a bit more sense. But I was like, oh, my God, is this really the argument going on here? Yeah, I'm surprised I mean, the son believes that. I, I, yeah, he's so smart. How has he not seen through that? But, man, when that scene first started out, like, how could you not hate that dad? Just what a condescending asshole. Yeah, and then the scene ends and you hate both parents. <laughs> For sure. What a fun show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm surprised it was outright tossets for both you guys, but I mean, it was really dry. So the only way you I mean, could if make it had like good animation, it really could have elevated the game here. But the animation was so fucking boring. The only way that Donald Gleason's character could make it worse for Steve Krell's character and the patient is if he made him watch this while he was gone. <laughs> I don't know. I just I I didn't like it, man. Joe, I was so relieved when it was over. I was like, I'm not going back to this. I'm done. Like first episode, I was out. Like it's got to hook me, and it didn't hook me. No, if this show had crackle ads, I would have hung myself. (laughs) Yeah, it was nice to actually just get through the whole thing without having interruptions in it. (laughs) That was the biggest positive of this show for sure. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Nobody tried to sell you a Swiffer wet jet seventeen times. Yeah, no, no triple Geico commercials in a row. Yeah. All right. What else do we got? What are we talking about? This oh, Devil in Ohio. Deter. This is on Netflix. It's a series. How many episodes is this fucking show? Who cares? Who gives a fuck? Because it's. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this one's eight. sorry no dude fuck this show Uh, determined to protect a young patient who escaped a mysterious cult a psychiatrist takes the girl in putting her own family and life in danger Uh, so yeah so this teen girl she's got this um, wound this fucking bloody gash on her back uh, is found in Ohio, and she is taken to a hospital, and she's put into Dr. Suzanne Mathis's care, and then, uh, yeah, man, she comes from a fucking demonic cult, right? Yeah, satanic cult. How many, Joe, how, how many episodes did you, I got through one. How many, I'm curious, Joe, how many episodes did you get through? Five. Jesus fucking Christ, I knew it, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> I How- liked it, dude. I liked this one. Oh, my God. This is like fucking like a... This, this just reminded me of like a Lifetime fucking show. 
Yeah, I had that. I had that same note about it being like a <laughs> lifetime show. Yeah. Yeah, I I didn't like. It was a toss it. Yeah, this was a toss it for me as well. <laughs> um, I actually, I actually hate Emily Deschanel too. Like, I just can't stand her. It gave me bad flashbacks of being forced to watch episodes of Bones against my will, and it just gave me a bad vibe right from the start. And then, even if this was quality, I, which it is absolutely not. I don't. I don't know if I could like it with, with her. I, I'm completely biased against this actor. So, oh boy. And yeah, this was so fucking stupid. She's doing the satanic prayer at the dinner table, and everyone's just like, "Oh my god, what was that? Oh, pass me a roll." And yeah, this was silly beyond belief. I, I've been on a real horror like comeback lately too, and it's garbage like this that makes me not want to watch horror again. Like I, I instantly needed to watch or read some good horror after seeing this trash yeah i got through the one episode and i just was like this it just felt too lifetime fucking network for me and i was i was out so i don't have a lot to, joe tell us why in <laughs> god's name did you watch five episodes oh god okay. you watched five episodes so my wife is like really in to this sort of content and so I've i knew it had to be your wife so many there's no well, I, I there's the no first. man on his own that is gonna watch five episodes of devil in ohio i only watched two episodes with her i watched the other three by myself today uh she has got this is like stockholm syndrome yeah. Well, no, here it is, is that some of the stuff that I've watched with her has been so bad to where by comparison, I was like, oh, this was pretty good. I was really into the I, I want to know more about this satanic cult because it's like they're just giving you little bits at a time. Yeah. And as this show goes on, it, you, you start to find out how much how insidious this cult is to the point where they own pretty much this entire county i mean in, I, I like i was even googling shit i was like is there an amon county in ohio and there is not um but it's like they pretty much own this entire county and they've been there for well over a hundred years and it's like this family that this girl ran away from like her father is like the leader of this cult and there's uh, like a sheriff that's from that county that is going out and like he's part of the cult, but he's also has, you know, a, a bit of authority to be able to act. And so it's it's just kind of scary in the fact that it's insidious. And I'm watching it with this main character, May, that escaped and it's she gets brought into this like the 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 psychi the psychiatrist at the hospital that was treating her was wanting her to get into a foster home and it wasn't working out and so she took her in and she's got two teenage daughters of her own and then a like a, a much younger daughter that's maybe around like ten or eleven or so and I'm asking myself like is she a plant is she like it, did did she kind of escape to try and do something to like where she has to I, I don't know. I've just got so many questions what's going on with this. And I kind of like the mystery that it's raising so far, but it's been a very slow burn. Um, I, I never watched Bones before. So uh, this is, I think, the first thing that I've ever seen Emily Deschanel in. And it, it's it's not too bad, but I'm the, for me, this is just to taste it. And it was like, it's not blowing my socks off or anything. And there's much better suspenseful thrillers 
out there to watch. But for this just being a new thing and it being something on the list is like, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to end up finishing it. Jake, I think if we would have fucking came out here and fucking said, oh, man, we really like this. I think Joe would have been giving this a high taste it, man. I think he's tempering his rating based on our <laughs> you know reaction. What? This, is, this is two shows in a row where Joe said a lot of glowing things yeah. about the show. Yeah. And then it ended with a taste. Well, yeah. Both times my brain kind of thudded. Yeah. Place. I think I, I think Joe is just not one to come off like, you know. To to oh come on I'd give you my honest rating you're no man you're, you're <laughs> dude you're fucking you're five episodes deep bro <laughs> you're, you're, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's it's not totally knocking my socks off but I'm engaged enough that I want to know what's going on I I want to know <laughs> is this girl did she just uh, did she escape and she just has like subconscious programming in her mind that like she was not raised in a normal world. She like it, as illustrated in that first episode, she wants to say a prayer at dinner and she says a prayer to the morning star. And to her, that's totally normal. And, and so it's like, is, is she just acting off of this programming because that's the way she was raised? Or is she come out here with a purpose? Why does this cult want her back? And they're, they're messing with the family and, I, I don't know. It is. It's interesting, but it's it's nothing that's like really knocking my socks off. And I, I don't think any of the performances are are really that amazing. But it, this is something that it's it's going to be on. <laughs> I I know I'm going to see the rest of it regardless. And and I I'm here so far for the mystery, but it's not knocking my socks off or anything. Joe, I've just been putting you on and Jake on this whole time. I fucking loved this show. Oh whatever. Fuck. No, I love this show. So Joe, come on, man. We can. We can be honest with one another. <laughs> okay, now I don't even know what to believe. <laughs> oh, man. A lot of times when, we, when we're going to talk about a show, I'll Google it just to have it up and be able to remember stuff easier. Yeah. And when I did that for this show, there's all these articles that are like explaining the twist ending to episode one. And I'm like, what kind of fucking twist ending was that? <laughs> She said that no one caught on that she was like involved, like the name of the show plus the family prayer. And you were blown away by her taking her shirt off and having a pentagram on her back. Like, I don't even feel bad talking about it. Like, that wasn't any kind of a shock ending at all. Oh, boy. Uh, but seriously, it's a Tupperware for me all day, man. I fucking <laughs> oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Joe. Let's just be honest, man. Yeah. Yeah. Move over, Zoe. Emily's my new favorite Deschanel now. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, man. I'm glad you are enjoying Devil in Ohio, Joe. This We should just tease Joe for the rest of the episode about how much he loves that show. I would like to hear a country song about the devil in Ohio. I think I'd, I'd subscribe to that. Oh, yeah. The devil went <laughs> we down to Ohio. We went down to Georgia. Yeah. yeah. No, no. I want Ohio. Well, this is all I got, guys. Did, did you? Oh. Sorry. Go ahead. Mm. <laughs> did you notice I, how loud the the opening credits music was on this though it felt like it was easily five decibels louder than the like the rest of the show oh man yeah i agree there was some weird volume stuff going across all the shows this week i yeah i had a problem with the patient where the bass drops were just like you had to turn it up loud enough to hear what they were saying but then the music was just nothing but bass drops yeah oh, ominous man. tones 
Yeah. Mm. I hate how volume is different on each different streaming Me service. Me too. It's like, it's one of my least favorite things in the world today. I know. It's like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm on 57 on Crackle, and then it's like 57 on Netflix is like super loud, especially for this fucking show. Oh, my God. Yeah, me and Michelle, we know the numbers for every, like, HBO's an 80 show. You got to put it up to 80 to be able to hear what they're saying. But God forbid you turn Netflix on without adjusting after HBO. You're going to be fucking rocked off the couch. No shit. <laughs> uh, let's talk about fakes on Netflix. Teenage best friends Zoe and Becca set out to build their own fake ID empire. But when business starts booming, their life of crime gets way too real. Created by David Turco. It stars uh, Amelia Baranak, uh, Jennifer Tong, Richard Harmon. And so basically, yeah, uh, Jake, you sent out a message to at least watch the first two episodes of Fakes. And I think that the reason behind that is because we've got um, uh, two accounts of like how this ID, this this teenage ID empire started. You've got the... uh, um, you know, uh, Zoe telling the story in the first one. And I believe in the second episode, it's her friend Becca that tells her version of the story. And so I th- is that why you wanted to have us? At yeah, least I just, it, it felt like that should have been like one episode, honestly, to me. Yeah. I want to, what are your thoughts on, uh, yeah. Tell us a little bit about the show and then what your thoughts are on fakes. Yeah, this was a high taster for me. I, I enjoyed it quite a lot. I, you know, I've said on past episodes, I'm loving this new kind of half an hour TV format that I feel like Ted Lasso is kind of pushed forward and we're seeing a lot more of because of. Um, but, yeah, it's it's these two high school girls and they start a like fake ID ring and you see the why and the how it started from both of their perspectives, one in what one episode and one in the next episode. Um, I'm, I haven't watched the third episode yet. I'm really curious to see what they're going to do there. Like, are we going to start combining the perspectives? Are we ever going to know what's the true accounting of what happened here? I just I'm really fascinated by the way they decided to format this kind of show like you've seen this kind of show a million times but it feels like a a a little bit of a brand new format in doing it i I thought it was funny um it was interesting i usually hate when they show like what's going to happen at the end of the story at the beginning of the story and i thought this was one of those rare times where that worked kind of the hook of how this is going to end up is a real draw for me and wanting to see the journey of how we get there and normally i kind of roll my eyes at that kind of thing um, like in Casino, it drives me fucking crazy that we're seeing the car blow up at the beginning of the movie. And I feel like it ruins a ton of tension that could have happened later on. But uh, normally I hate that kind of device. But, yeah, I'm curious if you guys liked or loathed this thing because yeah, I had quite a lot of fun with it. I'm definitely going to finish it. Uh, one of the things that it starts off and says it's based on a true story, then it says it's not right. Doesn't don't they kind of like. It does. I forget the exact wording. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's like based on a true story, but everything's made up or something like that. Yeah, it's not. I had to look into it. I went to uh, there's an article uh, distractify dot com and it says fakes is not based off of one true story in particular. And we have to admit that we're low key disappointed. There weren't two enterprising ladies that actually accomplished this fake ID empire feat. Um. I think I think it's fine. I I will give it a taste it, um, but I probably will not get back to it. To be quite honest with you, uh, and finish this one. 
But uh, I think I liked the first episode more than I did the the second, to be quite honest with you. Um, I, I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but the first episode felt like the truth to me, and the second episode felt like the embellishment. If on, well, I think that there's a middle ground. I think that there's hmm. – I think that uh, parts of the first one are are true. But then in the second one, I do think that um, Zoe – I do think that she thinks that she's super smart and, and that you – know, that, 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 that she can do this and get away with this. And so, I don't know. It, it's interesting, man. Um, yeah. It kind of used the same narrative as, what's the name of that? I'm brain farting. The, the Ridley Scott movie that flopped big time after House of Gucci. The Duel. Thank you. Yeah. Like, it's basically like the same narrative trick that that show did. It and is. that's one of the reasons I like that movie so much. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought it was a great movie, but this is okay. This is okay. Um, Joe, what'd you think? I watched the first three episodes. I really liked the the storytelling device in this with the fourth wall breaks and then them both telling their own versions of it. And I'm just based on how these first three episodes have gone. I'm curious if it's going to keep doing this like, uh, you know, every other episode kind of being in the other's point of view, because I'm pretty sure that third episode was was all in, in Zoe's point of view. Um, unless I just missed the title cards where it was switching back and forth in that one, but they're short enough episodes that I, I think that I think it is going to be doing that. And I, I think that that is a really interesting narrative choice. I've, I've never seen a show that's done that where it's like this entire episode is going to be this part character's specific point of view. And then the next episode is going to be kind of similar circumstances, but just from the other character's point of view and the way that the two girls portray each other, like Zoe is, is, is much more needy and, and Becca is like much more outgoing and popular. And like in Zoe's version, she's kind of taking care of Becca because Becca's, you know, totally wasted at this party. And it seems like uh, Zoe's just used to this. Like she's just reaching in the backseat, grabbing Gatorade, and and tissues for when Becca's hanging out the side of the car puking. <clears throat> and then in the in the second episode, when it's from Becca's point of view, she's making it seem more like, oh, Zoe's just her clingy friend that, you know, if if I wasn't there to to help her when she's, you know, having like this hyperventilating attack in the bathroom, you know, it's like Becca looks at Zoe like, oh, this is somebody that I have to kind of take care of, but like in a different way. So it's an interesting dynamic between the two and then seeing that they're, you know, going to be pitted against each other in the future. It's and so it's this dueling narrative where they're trying to each make themselves out to be the one that it's like, Oh, I'm just kind of the innocent victim here. And my friend drug me along. And then as the story progresses, they kind of find themselves in over their heads where this person that they wanted to have do the IDs is now telling them, Hey, I've already pre-sold a bunch of these and you either owe me 200 fake IDs or $30,000 in cash. And then keeps showing up and vaguely threatening them. At one point he's talking about how, if you have to lose a finger, you want to go with the index finger on the non-dominant hand. And most people pick the pinky, but you don't realize how much you use your pinky finger during the day. And so just like creepy shit like that. Um, overall, the show's got a pretty fun vibe to it. I thought the music choices in it were great. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't quite know if I would finish it or not. It's short enough that I might. Um, uh, for me, it's, it's a taste it. 
And and I think it's just because had this been based on a, a true story, I think it would be a little bit more riveting to me. Yeah. But just knowing that it's 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 made up, I'm like, okay, well, it feels like the there's not really as many stakes there, which seems strange to say because so much of the stuff that we we watch on a on a on a daily basis are all fictional stories. But this one, it just felt like it had such a good hook, and the way that they went out of their way at the beginning to be like, this is a true story. Well, no, it's not. Well, yeah, it is. And it's like, well, which one is it? I think and they just I do that to make you like watch it, right? Like, I, ooh, it's I based on a so. true story. Oh, and then they say it's not just like to, you know, just to cover their for asses. Legal reasons. Oh, it's not. And it's like, right. what? Um, but I found myself Googling this as well, but it was for a, a much sillier reason. It was when her brother came home and was pulling all those hundreds out. I was like, am I just so not used to handling 100s in cash that I'm not used to what American hundreds look like anymore? I was looking at this like, where the fuck does this take place that these hundreds, I mean, they, they looked like foreign currency to me. But Yeah, it's, <laughs> I thought maybe it really did take place. And I had the same issue. I thought maybe it did take place in Alaska because that's where they were printing their IDs until like they actually verbally confirmed that they made Alaska up. <laughs> yeah, I was like, maybe these are like, hundred note loonies or something like that is this taking place in canada no it's confirmed that's in in canada remember they're they're on the bleachers and they're 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 talking about how they're in canada oh really yeah there's a conversation there's a conversation that too conversation in the second episode where they're on the bleachers and they bring up the fact that they live in canada oh okay yeah i think i was too busy laughing at the doordash jokes and i didn't i didn't catch that I was not <laughs> laughing. <laughs> so I completely caught it. <laughs> um, yeah, that's fakes and it's on Netflix. Uh, let's talk about, I think this is the final thing in Good Pop, Bad Pop. Uh, the uh, documentary on Showtime that just dropped about John McEnroe. It's simply titled McEnroe. It's an intimate portrait of one of the most explosive and compelling sporting icons of all time. John was an era-defining talent, number one in the world in four consecutive years, but also a man prone to self-destruction. It's this internal conflict that drove John to the very top and very nearly broke him, too. Uh, It features completely unseen film archive footage from some of the biggest matches in tennis history including the U.S. Open and Wimbledon, as well as home video footage from John himself. Uh, it's got interviews with John's children and his wife, Patty Smythe. And um, it features interviews with uh, icons, tennis icons like Billie Jean King, Bjorn Borg, uh, also uh, music icons like Keith Richards. Um, I... You know, I know, I know John McEnroe, his temper, but I was, I never really watched tennis, but it's one of those things where you, I think if you're growing up as a kid in the eighties, you always just kind of like, there's commercials and like him on talk shows and, and just, I don't know. You just see a ton of stuff about John McEnroe. How's the pain wrapped about him? Yeah. It's just his, his, his explosive temper. And, you know, I've seen enough footage and shit of him yelling and shit. But I never really knew about, like, his career. I knew he was a great tennis player. I just didn't know too much about it. And I think that's where this documentary really shined for me was uh, actually diving into these matches and, like, how dominant he was at such a young age for those four years. I mean, I I really enjoyed the stuff that I enjoyed the most was like watching those matches between like 
those early matches with Jimmy Connors, and then the matches with Bjorn Bjorg, uh, beat him so decisively in their second meetup that Bjorn Bjorg retired from the sport at like 25 years old, never played again. Um, that's the stuff I really got into. I started to really fall off and not care as much about the documentary once they started getting into like his fall and it all kind of like fell apart with, with the match in France. He, it was very self-destructive. And then it went into his marriage with Tatum O'Neill and then his, uh, him just going off on the paparazzi and stuff. I mean, I, I was really more interested. I'm glad that they put all that stuff in there to give us a full picture of the guy's life. But I think what, where the documentary really shined was like the competitive nature that this guy had and how, how passionate he was and how different, how against the grain he was as far as like guys in tennis, um, as far as like, uh, what was expected of, of people playing tennis? Most of them, most of them were very respectful and it didn't talk back to the judges the way that he did. Now you did have a few, but, but he was just kind of over the top and very passionate and wouldn't hold his tongue. And the, and the way he kind of handled the media in interviews and, and they, they would always be like, you know, do you feel bad about how you reacted during that game or like what you said to that judge? And he's like, Oh, you want me to detract what I said and say, I'm sorry. No. And I was just like, man, I kind of like that bad boy fucking John McEnroe when he was playing at the top of his game. And I wasn't as much invested into like the the marriage and 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 all that stuff. So I, I will give this a high taste it. Um, but I was more I, I want to know what you guys thought, though. I was more I was more into like his playing career. But what did you guys think? Joe, what did you think about McEnroe? Yeah, I've watched so many good sports documentaries lately that I was excited about this one. Um, I, I'm almost kind of embarrassed to say that my my biggest exposure to John McEnroe was his cameo in the Adam Sandler movie, Mr. Deeds. <laughs> I, I'd never seen him play <laughs> any tennis. I mean, I knew that he was a pro tennis player that had anger issues. And that was about it. I, I'd never seen any footage of him playing or anything. And so the first part of this documentary, like I was riding a high. I was like, oh, this is so fantastic. And then the latter half of it was was pretty boring. And I, I thought it had a pretty good ending in that it's kind of showing him now that he's in a much better place in his life. He he talks about how he feels like he made a lot of mistakes with, it, with his uh, his older two children from his first marriage and that he he kind of got a second chance with with his second marriage and and then the the three daughters that he had in that one and then seeing the his his three daughters talking about him and just seeing them interacting it's like okay well i feel glad for him that he's in a much better place in his life but um oh man also the point where i think he said he'd been to like 37 different psychologists to to try and get his anger issues figured out. And it was something that never really got worked out, but he just kind of grew up in this time where his dad went from being his dad to also being his manager. And his dad was also the type that would fly off the line or, you know, just start yelling. That first instinct is to just go to yelling. And that was something that was kind of imprinted onto John from a young age. And, and, 
he seemingly took it to an even higher level than his dad did. And man, those, those scenes at the beginning of that though, when he's in those matches over in great Britain and stuff and just screaming at these judges in the crowd, booing him and people just being absolutely shocked that they can't believe that a professional player is acting with such poor sportsmanship, but man, he was able to really bring it with the, the, the skill level that he had. And I loved hearing him talk about how he, he would break the game down to mathematics and he would look at the court, like it was a series of squares. And so then it was just percentages depending on where he was. And, and it was interesting to hear that, but man, this documentary really nosedives after that and and just gets really kind of boring. So for me, it was it was a low taste. And I don't see myself ever going back and watching this again. Um, gl- glad to see that he seems to be at a better point in his life right now, though. That's a fair that's a fair point. That's a, it's a fair rating, honestly, because I, I feel like it did nosedive as well. I was way more into it when they were talking about his playing days especially like i I liked it when they would just show clips of games and him going off on judges like there's the one where it clearly hits the line and he's yelling at the judge like it hit the line you saw the chalk fly up in the fucking air how did you miss that and they show it and you see the chalk flying up in the air (laughs) (laughs) still it's just such a bad example that on the one hand it's it is kind of funny and entertaining in a way to see somebody behave like that but i also think that when you do reach a professional status in a sport that there should be a level of sportsmanship that should go along with it and to act like that it does a disservice to to younger fans and stuff that would watch it and think that that's a green light to to behave like that and so while, while I do think it's kind of funny on the one hand, I think it's absolutely shameful on the other hand. I yeah, I but I do think like he's bringing in like a whole new type of fan at that point that are just like they're watching to see that. Like, you know, look at how America reacted to Jerry Springer. You know, like <laughs> and, what, is that a good thing, though? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it made Jerry a lot of money and I'm sure McEnroe made tennis a lot of money. So it's true. He he probably did drink, bring in some larger crowds by doing stuff that was so unorthodox. And I think like they said that I think it was one person that said that maybe he's a you know they they believe that he's a little bit on the spectrum. That wasn't that was just touched by one person. But I can see that if he is so passionate about this and and if he can see it He's thinking to himself, why can't they see it? And it just enrages him, right? And, and I honestly feel like the kind of person that he was, he couldn't hold it in. He wouldn't be able to – he wouldn't have been the tennis player that he was if he held it all into himself. He had to get it out. Do I think it's like do, – do I think that young kids should – emulate that personality those personality traits to hell hell no it's it is it is kind of shameful joe but (laughs) yeah it was just like seemingly a compulsion of his yeah he he couldn't not blow his stack (laughs) and and forcibly give his opinion yeah i've I've, I've, I found his behavior entertaining. So <laughs> I guess that, well, on the one level I do too, but then I think about it from like the the standpoint of like a, you know like a a father and stuff, and it's like oh what a terrible example you're setting right now, John. Yeah, but, but I get it. 
dude, Here. I've been there. I've from a, like I grew up with a dad that yelled, and so that was my program. Yeah, was when when my stress level would get so high, it ah fucking motherfucker, and like it, yeah. you know, it's that's something that I've had to train out of myself but whoo you catch me on a bad day and you'll see me going off like johnny (laughs) but you (laughs) know i'll be proud of myself afterwards it's like other other sports that have where you have a team it's like you can yell at your team like we know jordan yelled at his team we know that he fucking yelled at his team in practice on on the on the court john could only john could only yell at himself or the fucking judge at that point. And if he felt like a call was bullshit, he fucking took it out on him. So, yeah. Jake, what did you think about McEnroe? Yeah, I didn't like it very much at all. It was a low taste it for me as well. I agree with a lot of the stuff Joe said. I, I just thought the presentation was just so dry. I don't know if it would have been better if McEnroe wasn't as involved, but uh, maybe, maybe not. I mean, you could definitely sift some interesting stuff out of this. But yeah, it was about 20 minutes too long. I thought it tried a lot of fancy production things that it had no right trying and that were like completely fell on their face. Like at one point to like represent McEnroe's anger, they're showing you these like Tron like 80s looking wavelengths on the TV screen. And I thought all that stuff was just very, very silly. Um, I thought the Pink Floyd montage was very, very silly and just a big time waste. And uh, yeah, I think you make this thing a tight hour and you'd be a bit more like honest and not one-sided on it. And it, it would have been a little bit more enjoyable. Um, I think the most entertaining stuff to me was the stuff with him and uh, Bjorn and seeing like their friendship at the beginning and then how it ended up in that second match. And um, beyond that, I was just very, very, very bored watching this. Well, see, that's why I'm the, the reason I'm giving it a high tasted is just for like, I was super enthralled with his match with Bjorn Bjorg, the especially the like the first one, the the back and forth and how long it went. Um, yeah, and just knowing knowing about Bjorn and like seeing that footage of like these aren't actors, this is like the actual fucking yeah. match, and like just seeing the frustration on his face was easily the best part of this whole thing. But it was just wrapped by a bunch of boring shit and really yeah. weak production tricks that's fair because like i didn't like i didn't love the beginning and i didn't love the end it was like the middle meet like his four years where he was super dominant where i loved that like and if you would have just like gave that to me in like an espn documentary probably would have been a tupperware for me because i fucking loved that shit i didn't care about the the marriage and the interviews with the kids and all that stuff so maybe i'm being a little too generous with my rating but i did it's the it's it's trying to understand this guy and why he was the way that he was and what pushed him. Um, yeah, and I kind of agree with Joe that it is pretty shameful. And it's almost like the purpose of this movie is a little bit self-righteous. So it's like, hey, you know, all this stuff was terrible, but here's the excuses of why it was the way it was. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. This This wasn't for me. Yeah, interesting. Okay, yeah, I think like maybe maybe McEnroe is his involvement in this wasn't great, but then you got to look at like some of the other documentaries that we've seen with the involvement of the players and and stuff like that. It's been maybe I I guess it just comes down to the directing and some of the stylistic choices too. So you know, honestly, I think there's a Tupperware movie about John McEnroe. Yeah, like I think that's possible, easily possible. 
but just this format of the story just it didn't do anything for me okay uh i I don't i don't have any news this week uh but we can jump we'll jump into marvel news the only news this week is the fact that um the lord of the rings the rings of power fucking hit 25 million views on its first day which is the biggest premiere in Amazon's 15-year history. Which it doesn't. It just doesn't surprise me that this is the show that's going to do it. So, yeah, I mean, you can't even give me three contenders that would have been in first place before this. Probably, like I don't think Amazon Prime has really done up until now the the best job of like making any musty TV. I think you're wrong. <laughs> oh, I guess the boys. I mean, a lot of people would, would say the boys. A lot of people would say the expanse. So, would the boys like season premiere maybe be the record holder before this? Probably not. I, here's the thing with that: it's like it's it's coming from a comic book. I would say the boys season two premiere would have been after the show's already picked up steam. Gotcha. The, maybe even the season three and the season four premiere even did bigger because like yeah. Game of Thrones always did that, too. Right. Like, like once people caught up, the next season premiere was even bigger than the last. Yeah. This is Lord of the Rings. This has like a, yeah, this has years and years and years of of people that uh, that have been. Uh, yeah. Th- these numbers weren't surprising. Right. It's it's such an old and established and well-respected IP. And the the Peter Jackson movies, at least the first trilogy, was was so well received and and still holds up so well that yeah, I mean it's it's not surprising that it it did gangbusters in numbers on its first day. Yeah, they dropped two episodes. Uh, we're going to be covering this week to week. You're going to be able to listen to our coverage here on uh, the PCL feed. Um, we're going to be breaking down each of these episodes. And, um, yeah, so we're going to have the first episode probably drop uh, Monday or Tuesday. So stay tuned. Uh, Marvel news. Let's jump into Marvel news this week. Marvel news. I guess we can talk a little bit about She-Hulk episode three. Um, we're not going to do a deep dive and break it down like we did the first week. And it's not because, you know, we don't enjoy the show. It's just if time permits, we'll, we'll do do these episodes in depth. Just time did not permit this week. But I enjoyed the episode overall. I think like this one probably had the best... Uh, the best comedy, and I think it was because of like the, um, who was it? it? Was the what was she that uh, that as the light elf? The elf, yeah, the elf. I think she was like the funniest thing in this episode, this past episode. I still am not like the fourth wall breaks are just not doing it for me. Sadly, I love Tatiana Maslany, but I am just not like. I mean, I think even that show Fakes did the fourth wall breaking better than what we're getting in She-Hulk. But maybe I'm on an island of my own with that opinion. But I enjoyed I loved the fourth wall breaks in this episode. I agree they've been kind of lackluster previously. But I thought some of the stuff they did in this one was really fun. I was laughing quite hard at just pointing out the, you know, 
expectations of guest stars every episode and the main character like <laughs> realizing that that's what the show kind of is a little bit and the dawning of that I thought was really fun. Um, I thought the meta commentary with what what people were saying about her when like you could tell these were exact things people were saying about the show itself when it was announced. I thought that was very smart, kind of get ahead of the haters. Um, yeah, this was by far the best episode to me of this show. I this episode really made me fall in love with this show and what it can do in the future. Would yeah, you for me, this show just keeps getting better and better. Um, I, Tim Roth in this was so charming and I, I loved that we got Wong in this episode too. I mean, phase four has had so many great Wong appearances and, and She-Hulk might've been one of the best ones yet comedically. Uh, when, when, when he first comes in and he asked the, if they've, uh, heard of a Kumite before and I was like, yes, a reference to Bloodsport. That's so great. And, um, uh, the, the the B storyline with with her former colleague that is just so full of himself and to see that he fell for an imposter and thought he was da- uh, dating Megan the Stallion and and got taken for one hundred and seventy five thousand dollars such a funny thing I mean just such a funny thing to drag that character through the mud on and um, I love that we got the wrecking crew in this and they just seemed like such a bunch of goofballs and. The, they, you know, mentioned that their boss isn't going to be happy. And so I'm I'm really hoping that that's going to tie into a character that we haven't seen since, you know, the beginning of, of um, uh, the MCU, clear back in the first Incredible Hulk movie. I'm, I'm really hoping that maybe that's going to tie in the leader. Um, and th- this show just continues to be g- great for me. I, I it's a it's so different from anything else that we've gotten in the MCU. The fourth wall breaks uh, have been working for me, just the the level of comedy that's in it, and just that we're getting just this quirky legal drama that if they continue to do, you know, despite what she says at the beginning of this episode, that it's not going to be a cameo of the week show, I kind of hope it continues to be, because the way that they're able to do them in the sort of scenarios and situations that they're able to put these characters in it's just such a fresh spin on stuff like going back to the first episode with the you know was cap a virgin like all the way up through that and and i love how each episode has had a, a mid credit scene and they've all been done for comedy and like the, the one for the second episode was kind of okay this one i thought was really funny <laughs> that, that she's in her office and she's dancing with with megan the stallion and the fact that it got so many people so butthurt online is just like a cherry on top for me that it's like oh go ahead and cry oh, about i made it. it funnier yeah right <laughs> it's like oh my oh, god man. if something that trivial is gonna make you so upset that you got to go to the internet and hate on this thing it's like nah. What a, what a sad little existence you have. And so that just makes it better for me. Yeah, I don't understand all the hate for the show. I, I don't. It It is. It is. I am enjoying it quite a bit. I do like the the legal side of it. Um, I think the comedy in this one uh, was was better. Um, I'm just I, the fourth wall break stuff. I think it needs to be punched up a little bit. I mean, I, Jake, you probably brought up the best one. But I think it needs to be punched up a little bit. I, I, I think I love Tatiana Maslany, but I just don't know if her comedic timing is is just as good as like some of the other MCU characters. I, 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 I but I do, 
but I am enjoying the show quite a bit. I love seeing Wong again. I thought that that was fantastic. <laughs> I love how he fucking, <laughs> he basically, when he found out that he was, uh, that he broke the law, he was like, peace out. And he fucking was yeah. like, <laughs> I must go. <laughs> <laughs> and when he showed up late, do you think he was in the middle of like battling something? And all of a sudden he was like, shit, the time. I yeah, think exactly. Uh, maybe, so maybe, maybe he just fucking ate a tuna melt and fell asleep, you know? <laughs> yeah, he was just reading a good book or some shit. <laughs> I cracked up at Abomination's wives and how excited they got when he did his transformation. I thought that was was very hilarious. Do you think we'll see more Abomination? Is this the end of that? I don't know. I will not in this series. Maybe we we might not see him again, but I wouldn't be surprised if we did. Um, we'll definitely see him again in the MCU. I thought his uh, CGI looked really bad. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't notice it being too terrible. I, yeah, I thought yeah. it was bad. Yeah, I didn't either. But once again, I, I just watched this on my iPhone, so I'm seeing it on a fairly small screen. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. MCU rumors. This one comes from the Watcher underscore twenty ninety nine on Twitter. The Marvel Netflix canon debate will no longer exist after She Hulk. It is the same Matt Murdock, just softly rebooted. Time skip. All of you guys that swore up and down the Netflix Marvel series would never be referenced directly mentioned have uh, have a lot of really good seasons of television to catch up on. Uh, so yeah, they're saying. Um, this person on Twitter who, I mean, and this was approved by the mods on Marvel Studios spoilers, um, is saying that it is the same Matt, softly rebooted. And then he was asked uh, by uh, someone on Twitter, how will the Kingpin issue be resolved then? He looked quite different both in behavior and characterization than um, the Netflix version. Uh, the watcher responded, who got snapped and who didn't is going to be important in the street level corner of the MCU. It'll explain why certain things are different than we last saw them. So, yeah, uh, it's not 100 percent confirmation because this is just a rumor, but it's one of those things that I have been hearing online that, yes, like that's why these Netflix shows have ended up on Disney Plus, because they are canon. Yeah, I both agree and disagree with it with this rumor. Like, I I agree that they're canon, but I have a hard time believing that meta comedy She Hulk is going to plant that idea in cement. Like, I I don't see how you can trust this narrative to be the thing that says, "Oh, the Netflix shows definitely are canon now." Like, who knows how they're going to play that card in this show? That this seems like a very weird place to. Uh, make that fact well i mean if if he references events that happened in the netflix series then in a way that supports this right yeah i i hear what you're saying i don't know i just feel like i'm already there like i i'm already i guess it hasn't been cemented that that's canon but the fact that we've got both the same actors is kind of enough for me they haven't said it's not canon so i i just assume it is yeah, that's the same camp I'm in. They're using the same actors. It doesn't seem like that too too much of a stretch for me that they're going to call it the same. It's just that, man, in tone, you couldn't get farther apart right. from from Netflix Daredevil to, to She-Hulk. So it'll be interesting how they do it. 
the 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 word in there that causes me the most amount of of concern is the it's a soft rebooted version Mm -hmm. and it's like yeah i I, you're definitely going to soften him down because Uh there's no way you're going to be able to hold the the level of of brutality and just the level of tvma from those those other shows so it's gonna be interesting to see how they do it and i wonder if it was calculated to you know yeah we saw him briefly in no way home, but if he's going to have a bigger presence in this, I, I wonder if it was calculated to bring him into something that is so much more bubblegum, and and then by maybe by comparison, his you know the man without fear is going to be a little bit more dare I say brutal. That's probably not the right word to use for Disney Plus, but I think you're exactly right, Joe. That this is calculated. That it's to remove it from that as much as possible. But, you know, I don't think we're going to see new, like, origin stories for these characters. I can't imagine we're going to see flashbacks or we're going to change that stuff. But, yeah, I feel like the Daredevil She-Hulk stuff is going to be the closest to that Mark Wade Daredevil that I've been talking about that Disney Plus is going to give us. I I think that's exactly the kind of Daredevil we're going to get when he shows up. He's not going to be a brooding, violent, serious character on She-Hulk. There's just no fucking way. And I'm saying this right now. I'm sorry. I don't care. I do not want to see Charmin soft fucking Daredevil. I don't care. And I guarantee you that there's a lot of people saying the exact same thing that I'm saying, but once they fucking see Daredevil show up in She-Hulk, it'll just be enough for them to flip the fuck out. It, It won't matter. They'll just be happy they're seeing Daredevil again, and we'll accept it. And I just, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I cannot see myself getting Charmin soft fucking Daredevil and being happy with it. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm completely forgivable of Charmin soft Daredevil in the context of the She-Hulk show. It'll be a lot more grady and annoying in a Daredevil solo series. But yeah, bring on the jokes in the She-Hulk show. I, I don't want to see Netflix Daredevil teaming up with She-Hulk with the thematics that we have going on here. I, I'm totally fine seeing the lighter side of Matt Murdock. I I assume we're going to do some funny stuff in the courtroom with the character as well as in the tights. So I'm honestly here for it before I even see it. I'm fine with him showing up in the She-Hulk show and not fucking having brutal violence. Of course, that just changes. I mean, it's just like that's fine. Like, if if you're going to have a Deadpool movie but have Deadpool show up in a PG-13 film, I, I, I understand he's not going to be dropping F-bombs and shit like that. And I'm fine with that. But when you put him in his solo shit, like, that's where I'm going to have the biggest kind of disconnect with, like, what I loved about the character in the solo Netflix stuff. And then if they just make him charm and soft in his own fucking series, which I think that's what they're going to do. I mean, I think he's still going to fucking fight and kick ass and all that shit, but I don't think it's going to have like the level of violence or, you know, the, the, or the, the sexual content that, that was in that Netflix series. And I'm not here for that, man. I, 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 I get that. I co-sign that. At that point, you want him gas station toilet paper rough. You don't want the fucking Charmin soft. I want, <laughs> yes, gas paper toilet. I want it fucking like steel wool on my asshole. Just to- <laughs> Brillo pad right down the crack. <laughs> just destroying my butthole. I want. <laughs> Someone cut that part out of the podcast. Just no. Keep it. <laughs> Keep it in. No, man, I'm keeping it in. I'm keeping the violent. Oh, no, yeah, I, I, you misunderstand. Keep it in the podcast, but someone separate that so we can make some uh, dance remixes. Keep, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Maybe just. that can be the C2E2 shirt quote. 
<laughs> I want no. I wanted. I want a visual of my destroyed butthole on that shirt, Joe. <laughs> it's so bleedy and chafed. Yeah, I wanted to. I wanted to look like somebody fucking dumped like fucking cherry juice all over a cube steak or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Just, <laughs> I don't know if that was a good visual or not. Ah, good isn't the right word I would use, but it was. It was a. It worked. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Oh God, I'm just Joe. Am I wrong here? Are are Because I feel like I do feel like that. There's going to be a bunch of people that want what we that what what want what I want. But when we when they get whatever the fuck they get on Disney, they'll just eat it up. We got them back, but it's like we didn't get back. We didn't get back the one that we wanted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I could probably even see myself in that camp. I totally see you to in that so. fucking camp, and I am gonna. Oh my god, Joe! <laughs> I'm gonna be like but, Joe. You but, let me down. You let me down, Joe. <laughs> I'm saying, but what if it's not watered down? What? Because watered down is bad. Like, don't make it almost violent. What if it's completely the opposite way? Isn't that better? No. <laughs> I don't. I'm not saying <laughs> is it not better than the original way, but it's better than just slightly watered down, right? If you have to be watered down at all, oh. then fucking bury that shit in water. Oh God! Buckets, and buckets of water. Fuck you. Oh no, that's terrible. Both ways are just terrible. I want what I want. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but even if it is toned down, which it's likely going to be, yeah. If it's still got a good enough engaging plot, uh, I'll I'll be there for it. Um, mm. But hopefully, it's, it's another it's, show where we don't know who the villain is for the first (laughs) they're doing 18 episodes hopefully for fucking 17 of them we don't know who the villain is i forgot about the insane episode order on this show (laughs) i i just don't see how it won't suffer by comparison because those netflix shows were so good and i'm really hoping that they heard some of those criticisms from moon knight after after Feige went out of his way to be like, this is going to be next level brutal. And then it wasn't. They cut all that out. And it's like, I hope they leave that in in Daredevil. Don't don't nerf him down too much because in Jake's you, version, you in Jake's version, Matt Murdock is sucking his thumb and talking in baby talk the entire now, fucking now, time. Now, now, let me be clear. I I also prefer it stay the same tone. My argument is that if it can't stay the same tone, I would rather it be totally goofy as fuck than just Moon Knight almost violent. Yeah, and that's like if, that's if Matt, those are my two choices. I want goofy as fuck. That's Matt Murdock sucking on his thumb and talking like this the whole episode. Yeah, if I have three uh. choices, then I want I also want Netflix Daredevil full on our violence. But if that choice is off the table, I want fucking sucking on his thumb, Matt Murdock. Ah, oh, fuck that shit, man. I want goofy ass fucking Mark Wade shit. I want him fighting the goddamn swordsman and shit. So, <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> they, they already made the swordsman out to be a good guy, though. Oh, that's right. That's right. We've already done that character. I'm sure we can come up with all kinds of D-list characters for goofy-ass Daredevil to have fights with. Oh, yeah. Like, Mark Wade had him battle Stilt Man in one of the first issues, and it was fun. I And I love that series for what it is, but, I mean, that's the difference between going from one writer to another writer and changing the tone. It's just like we're we're sticking with the same actor and there's like a level that of violence and, and brutality that I expect out of this character now. And if that's taken away from me, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have some complaints. I'm not going to just fucking like have Netflix shit in my mouth and call it a chocolate Sunday and me just be like, mm, yeah, I'm I'll eat it up. Cause it's Marvel. Thank you. No, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be pissed yeah, I, off. I, 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 yeah, I don't disagree with you. I'll be right there with you complaining if it's just watered-down Daredevil. If it's almost violent. If it's like, oh, we just didn't show that. It happened off-camera type of bullshit. I want, I want no part of that either. That's what we're going to get. Unfortunately, yeah, that's probably right. Mm-hmm. I'll legit be upset if they do that again after Moon Knight. I hate both of your scenarios, Jake. I hate the Goo Goo Gaga baby Daredevil too. The just the old <laughs> jokes. I hate that too. Fuck that shit too. I'm glad. To, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it's exactly it's exactly what the MCU needs right now is a show that's nothing but jokes, right? Yeah. I mean, really. <laughs> it's what it's what's lacking. It's, it's, a, it's nothing they've ever tried before. It'll be very innovative. Yeah. Like, <laughs> guys, we're gonna get we're gonna get out of our comfort zone with Daredevil: Born Again. <laughs> And oh, it looks like Taika Waititi is coming to direct the pilot of Daredevil. Why don't they just have a fucking like uh, fucking stand up special with Matt Murdock? He can just get up in front of everybody and just perform some live Again, jokes yeah. in front of an audience. Yeah. Again, that scenario is better than PG thirteen Daredevil. Oh, get out of here! They're all it's all awful. Unless I, I don't know. I'm being a big baby. I just want what I want. I should be the one sucking my thumb and going Goo Goo Gaga because I'm. You know, <laughs> I'm being, I'm being, I'm being, I'm being. All right. Put the fucking dinosaur nuggets back on the shelf. You don't need them. <laughs> I think audiences in general would revolt, though, if they gave us a silly daredevil. I'm sorry, Joe, what did you say? I'm sorry. I was trying mm, to. That makes was, me like the idea even more, Joe. <laughs> I, I said I think audiences in general would revolt if they gave us a silly daredevil yeah. like Jake is, you know, saying that they possibly could. I Especially after. Um, the the bad taste that Love and Thunder left in so many fans' mouths. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> We're about to get a taste of uh, Silly Daredevil. I'm telling you, it's coming in She-Hulk. And a lot of these toxic fans are already pretty mad about the whole She-Hulk thing in general. Just wait till we get Silly Daredevil. The, the internet's going to explode. <laughs> you think twerking fucking caused these nerds to lose their fucking heads? Wait till we get fucking in his yellow scrub Silly Daredevil. You sound really ex- you point. sound excited for it, Jake. I, I didn't I already say I am. Yo, <laughs> you make me some. There are more. There are times. <laughs> there, okay, there, there's times where you just make me sick. Oh. This is one of them. <laughs> there, I mean, I thought you agreed that within the tone of She Hulk, that's that's what we're getting. The only so thing, that, I, the only thing that you could make that, that could no, the fact that you're excited for it though. The fact that you're excited for it, that's what's driving me crazy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think he's more I'm, excited for the fan reaction. <laughs> I'm excited for both. I'm excited for both. Like, within the context of She-Hulk, I'm excited to see silly-ass fucking Daredevil. Oh, my God. Let's just make a I'm mockery. For it. Just make a mockery of all our heroes. 
<laughs> I hope I hope Wolverine is wacky too. Mm, yeah, I don't know about that. Jokey, jokey <laughs> Wolverine, where, where Captain America Steve Rogers is teaching people to do the Charleston or some shit. <laughs> that doesn't seem too far off. <laughs> Grace Randolph has been uh, talking about. I don't. I don't know, but this she's just, she's basically she's talking about the Reed Richards casting, and she it's like she knows something, but she's not going to tell us. She says the casting list for Reed Richards is so good. Like you see one name and you're like wow, but then you see the next and you're like oh my god, what a Sophie's choice for Feige. She says the role hasn't been cast, but uh, cast yet, but soon uh, might be one of the best MCU castings ever. Some of the names have been floating around lately too. I haven't seen anywhere else. When they announce the casting, I'll tell you who almost got it. One person is someone who worked on a huge Disney franchise already, and uh, I mean everybody else is saying. Like, I don't, it'll be interesting to see who finally fucking gets this because everybody else has been saying it looks like Penn Badgley has locked this thing up. That guy from you, uh, Marvel vision. Uh, they, they recently did a podcast and I guess, I don't know if they have insiders, but they're saying like, they have heard that Penn Badgley will most probably be cast as Mr. Fantastic. And if that's the truth, that's not. It has I mean, fucking Grace Randolph makes it sounds like like these are names like wow I can't believe I can't believe these names are on the list. Uh, you see one name you're like wow. You see the next you're like oh my god this is like wow like Kevin. I don't think Penn Badgley brings that out of anyone. I don't know what. I guess his audition was just that damn good, huh? That he beat off all these other studs. No, well, I I guess if 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 he's the guy, <laughs> if he's the guy, but but she's saying that might be one of the she says bottom line might be one of the best MCU castings ever. I can't see them casting Penn Badgley and fans unanimously fucking rallying around that choice and being like, "Yes, wow, what an amazing." Like it's not like Patrick Stewart is playing professor x or you know what i mean it's not like that it's not like fans yeah yeah a lot of people don't even know who this guy is like the venn diagram of mcu fanatics and you fans is like two circles sitting next to each other i feel like for the most part too yeah i think for the majority of mcu diehards the initial reaction is going to be who yeah (laughs) yeah yeah so yeah it's nothing like patrick stewart or Robert Downey Jr. or honestly even Chris Evans, you know? I it's it's gonna be a big who. So yeah, I don't know. You ever see the stuff James Gunn says about Grace Randolph and their feud? No, what's he saying? Oh, he hates her. He cannot stand Grace Randolph. And he's multiple times on Twitter basically tweeted at her and tweeted about her that everything she says is completely fictitious, that it's all to generate clickbait, and he's constantly trashing her. Oh, he does Google, it. He does it to everybody that puts out false information. Yeah, he but he name drops Grace Randolph a lot. Like that would seems to be the number one like 
of these type of people that he just can't stand. If you Google James Gunn, Grace Randolph, you can like see a little bit of their Twitter feud and stuff. And it's pretty wild. I just fell down that loophole a couple days ago and saw a bunch of that stuff online. Yeah, he does. I, I was, They'll put uh, people will put out articles like, you know, we got this covered and uh, cosmic news and all this shit and cosmic circus and all these unreputable sites. And he'll repost what they posted and say, this is absolute bullshit. Like you guys are just making shit up. And yeah, I didn't know Grace Randolph was on that list as well. Yeah, yeah. So I ever since I mean, like I said, this was just a few days ago, I saw all that, but it's really put a sour taste in my mouth about how much I buy anything Grace Randolph says from this point on, because I honestly do kind of I don't think James Gunn is saying that stuff for any other reason than to sift out the bullshit. Yeah. Great. So he's been right. He's been right every other time he's told us something was bullshit. Like he, yeah. he's not Kevin Feige. When James Gunn has told us, hey, the thing this person said is bullshit. It's 10 out of 10 times it turns out to be bullshit. Yeah. Great Phase 15 on Twitter reveals actresses that uh, Marvel Studios is looking at for Sue Storm. Got a list of six names here. Lily James. Amanda Seyfried. Philippa Sue. Jodie Comer. Saoirse Ronan. And Vanessa Kirby. Any of those names stand out as somebody that you'd like? I can repeat them if you'd like, but... Yeah, say one more time. Lily James. Uh, she, she was in that, uh, what was that, Beatles? Pam and movie? Tommy. She was in Pam and Tommy most recently. She was in the, that, that, what was that, Beatles movie? Where the Beatles didn't exist? What was that one fucking called? Oh, Yesterday. Yeah, Yesterday. Uh, Amanda Seyfried, Philippa Sue, Jodie Comer, Saoirse Ronan, and Vanessa Kirby. Hmm. I mean, I, I think Jodie Comer would be really interesting. I, I thought she was really good in, you know, the last duo that we talked about earlier and, you know, fun enough and free guy. Um, I don't None of these are like really exciting names, though. Uh, it seems like we're, we're kind of what do you think? I, I really like either Amanda Seyfried or Vanessa Kirby. Yeah, Vanessa Kirby, that's. Deadpool's love interest? No. Oh, okay. Vanessa Vanessa uh, Kirby is in the Mission Impossible series most recently. Um, what else has she done? Oh, there, okay. Really? She was the star of Pieces of a Woman. That's the the one thing I've seen her in, and her acting was outstanding in that. Yeah, I like her in that, and then I I, I think Amanda Seyfried would be fantastic as well. Agreed. And I, honestly, I'm kind of leaning towards Amanda Seyfried. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the camp of Amanda Seyfried or Jodie Comer, and uh, a lot of this kind of stuff that I've seen online that led me to believe they might be leaning more towards Jodie Comer. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I can't remember the source or anything, but it was it was one of those leakers. Okay, huh? So we'll see. Grace Randolph. Oh man, I haven't. I hate bringing up her name now, Jake, since you said that. She's just basically... I, think I mean, it's all... She could be right. I mean, every now and again. Yeah. I mean, she, she's basically just piggybacking, though. Uh, this quote is basically just piggybacking, piggybacking off uh, what a lot of other leakers have already kind of said. They're, she's saying, so I hear Marvel is open to casting Henry Cavill and are discussing some roles with him, at least the one that, that I've heard of. 
And I mean, we've already talked about how there was the rumor that he was in the he was in contention possibly for uh, Mr. Fantastic. And then I think it was like a couple weeks ago we talked about how they were, you know, thinking about he could show up in Loki season two as Hyperion and then show up in, you know, uh, Avengers, the Kang Dynasty. So um, yeah, I kind of noticed that that's her bit ever since reading that James Gunn stuff is she's kind of a leaker lasso, right? She takes news that lesser known leakers have and just kind of gloms onto it and puts it out there, too. I've seen a lot of leakers do that where they just kind of there's no original thought. It's uh-huh. just let's take this thing that's out in the fucking atmosphere and claim it as our own yeah. truth. Yeah. Like they see somebody post. Well, no, they'll see like somebody who they'll, they'll, I've seen a lot of people take my time to shine. Hello's leaks. Mm, I've seen that too. And then put them out there as their own and, and just put mm-hmm. like a little bit of a different spin on it and then try to claim it as their own. And then my time to shine. Hello. will have to like basically like call them out on it. Like, whoa, you know, I said this a week ago, <laughs> you know? So yeah. Yeah. That's that age of trying to get attention through clicks. Um, it, it kind of makes me think of that newest She-Hulk episode, too, when she's walking into the prison and the one reporter yells, like, any truth to the rumors that the Avengers rejected you? And then the other reporter immediately goes, that was Jen Walters, a.k.a. She-Hulk, who was rumored to be rejected by the Avengers. <laughs> right. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> News from Dark Horizons. Uh, ben Kingsley is set to reprise his role of uh, Trevor Slattery. In uh, the Wonder Man series. So we saw him play Trevor Slattery in Iron Man 3 and most recently in Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And uh, in the comics, Simon Williams, a.k.a. Wonder Man, started out a villain with ionic superpowers and is eventually reborn as a superhero and founding member of the Los Angeles-based West Coast Avengers. Reports of the series is intended to be something of a Hollywood satire with the Wonder Man character having been an actor and a stuntman in the comics. Uh, Kingsley's Slattery is said to play a major role. So with Slattery also being an actor, mm-hmm. he probably will be some sort of like a like an, an acting mentor or something for maybe they're in a film together. Possibly. Yeah. 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 I love the Wonder Man in Hollywood run of comics from the the mid to late 90s Mm -hmm. Um, i don't know how well it holds up now i don't think i've read it since i was 15 but fuck i loved it then and um i'm excited that they're going to go that route with wonder man i never really knew how they were going to play this card if it was going to be the stalking scarlet witch type of thing or if it was going to be the washed up hollywood actor type of thing or if it was going to be the trapped in ionic energy type of storyline i mean this character has gone through so many different shifts in the comic book as of what they do with him that I, I really wasn't sure what direction they'd go with the show. I'm, I'm glad to hear they're going to do the uh, Hollywood actor stuff. Yeah, the actor rumored to possibly play Wonder Man the last, and maybe there's new information out there, but the last I heard was the Henry Golding from uh, Crazy Rich Asians. Ah, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah, that'd be funny. Yeah. Oh, when I first read the thing about about Trevor Slattery's character coming back, my first thought was he better have Morris with him because <laughs> I, 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 I feel like that interaction, you know, with that CG character really elevated him in Shang-Chi. And 
to the point where it's like I really didn't care for his character that much in Iron Man three, but I absolutely loved him in Shang Chi. I think the difference was Morris, and so it's like, is he anything without Morris? Is is Morris willing to leave Talo to, to go and h- hang out with Trevor while he does movies? I I certainly hope so. If we're getting yeah. that heavy presence of him, yeah, I was wondering that too because I like that's I hated the reveal in Iron Man three. Hated it. So yeah, I, it, it was dumb. Yeah. And then they even like like made like a, a shit joke out of it too. And it was like, oh, that's such low hanging fruit. Yeah. But he was he was so charming and funny in Shang Chi, and the yep. and a lot of it was those interactions with that cute little headless creature. <laughs> I kept wondering that too. I was like, man, I hope Morris is in it. I if I had to guess though, I don't think Morris will be in the series. I, I don't think he will either, and, yeah. and that kind of worries me because it leaves me in this place of: is this character going to hit the same way w- without that? It'll depend on the chemistry between him and the actor. We'll see. But yeah, uh, with him and, and Wonder Man, I, I yeah. agree. I think it could work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because the the exchange that he had in the car, where he was talking about the the first time he saw Planet of the Apes and all that, that was all really funny and it worked by itself without yeah. Morris. So. Yeah, it did. <laughs> uh, let's move on into uh, DC news. Last night. We break. Jesus Christ, I've got two fucking stories left. All right, just keep going. I'll be back. No. <laughs> <laughs> God damn. Can we, can we break? Yeah, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. I just I want to get through this shit. <laughs> hey, how are you? First, I want you to know that I sound like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And when I'm not impregnating my housekeeper, I like to buy t-shirts. On popcultureleftovers.com. Or you can buy a PCO mug or stickers or even a skateboard deck. You can even buy a PCO bath mat. Listen to this. Imagine getting out of your shower if you have your balls out or your vagina and they're fully exposed and you're hovering just mere feet over the PCO Majestic logo. Hovering like a chopper. And just like a chopper, you should get to popcultureleftovers.com and click on the Threadless link or you can head directly over to popcultureleftovers.threadless.com and buy a shirt. Come on, do it now. Do it. Buy a shirt. I'm here. I'm right here. All right. One on break there for Jake. Gave you gave you a tongue lashing on break, didn't I, Jake? Uh, did you? I don't know. No, I, I didn't. Honestly, it was fine. He he was wanting some fucking treats and if if I should have been thanking you cuz he was wanting some treats. I, I got your back, he he. I, it's just it's 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 a knee jerk reaction when I hear you. Uh, can we take? A, I just I just want to I just want to scream. I want to throw something at the wall. I want to. Listen, fuck- I I know what's going to happen when I ask. So yeah. at least know that when I'm asking, I really have to fucking pee. Serious. I take it out. I take it out on my butthole with some steel wool during the break. <laughs> Is what I do. I just fucking I grabbed you carved a fucking daredevil symbol right here, fucking left cheek. That and a pentagram for Devil in Ohio for Joe. Ooh, what yeah. a twist! 
My butthole. I was going to say, it's your Johnny McEnroe moment. Jake asks for a break, and you're like, you're a fucking disgrace! Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what came over me. I didn't even know I was going to Don't do you that. know that, Joe? I'm the, fu- I'm the bad boy of podcasting. <laughs> it's not too far off. <laughs> I don't think there is any other... I don't listen to any other podcast where, like, somebody... Takes a takes a break. Most people don't even put a break in their episodes anymore. They just fucking edit it so it doesn't sound like they took a break. We keep them in, and you get to hear me yell at my co-host about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of the charm. I would never take that away from the fans. <laughs> it's all about them. I don't even have to really pee. It's it's all for the fans. I think I literally even started the DC bumper and had to stop it midway. Fucking. You know, <laughs> I I chuckled when the DC bumper halted. It starts, it starts, and then I got I got fucking Jake pleading to take a break. Can, can we take? I'm like last night. Can we take a break? <laughs> there was like a half second of silence. I knew I was getting ready to get it. You know when we had that fucking a minute and a half of silence early in an a episode. And a half. Maybe you should have taken a break then. You could have taken a break then, Jake. Nobody would have known. I mean, I think it was very obvious someone would have known. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds like Donald Gleason peeing in the other room. <laughs> I mean, we didn't talk for eight seconds, and you knew so, the, the jig was up there. If I would have been peeing for fucking there, there was seconds. like There was like this moment where I was just like, how long is this going to go on? <laughs> me too. Me too. Once it was like six seconds awkward, I was like, "Well, I'm not." It saying got that. uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a fucking staring contest by the end of it. It was ridiculous. <laughs> I, I, I had to, I had to break it because I was like, "These guys aren't going to fucking say anything." <laughs> We're done. We left you out to fucking dry. Yeah. No shit, man. <laughs> I swear, whenever those happen, like, my brain, like, it just stops thinking of anything else except for, this is a really long silence. Oh, my yeah, gosh. Yeah, for and sure. And then I'm like a deer in headlights. All I can think of is silence. <laughs> like, what were you going to say? And I'm the one thinking, like, people are listening to this now. <laughs> well, technically, they, were, they weren't listening to anything. No, they were listening to They were listening to that. <laughs> You're trying to you're that you're listening to dead air at that point if you're the listener. And I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm like I'm very aware of like the moment and what's going on here. Like I ended my sentence, there's clearly a period there. These guys are just these guys are nowhere to be found. These guys we are did just them a favor. This this it's such high octane podcasting that we deliver that that 8 seconds let all our listeners just kind of calm down and get back to themselves again before we started it up again. Oh, you are giving us fucking put that Nas adrenaline back in the podcast. High octane podcasting. (laughs) You're giving us way too much credit, Vin Diesel. (laughs) Mm. All right, let me. Can I? Can we get through this bumper? Mm, Can I break? Would that be okay if I got through this bumper, Jake? Would that be <laughs> yeah, okay with it. you? <laughs> let's do it. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC News. It's time for DC News, you fucking pieces of shit. 
Man, there was a time where I wrote a bumper to call our listeners fucking pieces of shit. You don't think you'd do that today? Hmm. I think I'd go even harder today. Yeah, that's what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't buying that the, the, the no. humor has changed. No, no. I, I th- you know what I think I'd do? I think I'd, I'd take it the Kevin Feige Daredevil Disney route where I'm like um, – I'd be all sweet about it at the end. I'd call our listeners wonderful people. Get ready for DC News, you wonderful, beautiful, listening, podcasting babies. <laughs> Take it all sweet. And before we played the bumper, we could talk about how it was going to be the most fucking intense graphic oh, yeah. bumper of all time. Yeah, yeah, get ready. We're not going to pull any punches on this bumper, and then it's just fucking <laughs> it's the Muppet Babies of bumpers. Anyway. <laughs> DC knows uh, Jason Momoa reunited with Ben Affleck on the Aquaman sequel set, and he says there may be even more Batmans in next year's film. I got a quote here. I haven't even listened to this, so I'm hoping <laughs> I'm hoping it's good. Hilarious. <laughs> I'm hoping it's good. Well, I can't tell you anything about the reunion. He may or may not be in it, and there could be more or less or even more. Batman's in it. Who knows? You only know a little bit. And then last but not least, been a lot. What? More Batman? More or less or more. Is he just fucking with us? Yes. He's being silly. You're so silly, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, he's, he's being very silly here. I mean, I... It's hard to take him serious the way he was sounding there. Hmm. So we're just getting Ben then, right? That's it, right? He's just being a he's just being a silly, silly man. Silly goose. I mean, if if they're finally figuring out a way to give us Michael Keaton Batman back in something, then that, that would be exciting. But I'm I'm thinking more yeah. the tone in which he said that. It sounded like he was just fucking with a reporter. Yeah, it does. It does. Why you gotta fuck with us there, Momoa? That's all I got. We're just gonna splice some Batgirl footage in the middle of the movie with Michael Keaton. <laughs> we gotta use this footage. That's all I got for that story, Jake. I don't know. Could your bladder have handled that? No. <laughs> I would have pissed myself the second you said multiple Batmans in excitement. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Let's see here. Star Wars news. That's all you get. Because <laughs> I can't play. I can't play the real bumper. You can play the real bumper. Can't play the real bumper. I don't want to play the real bumper around you. <laughs> you don't deserve the real bumper, Jake. <laughs> I don't know about that. You don't. I know about that. <laughs> I know about that, and you don't deserve it, sir. <laughs> <laughs> News from Dark... What? No, what do you got to say there, buddy? Who, me? Yeah, you. Oh, I, I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, you should play the bumper. Let everyone enjoy the bumper. I am, I am very on the offensive this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, me? <laughs> yeah, wait. Yeah, you. What you gotta say, huh? 
<laughs> don't you don't you step out of line, Jake? It's very, it's very very battered housewife relationship we have, right, Jake? Don't you think? Oh, yeah. I double taked at that. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Trust me, listeners, if I listen back to this one, I'm gonna hate me just as much as you do. So <laughs> Some good fourth wall humor there. <laughs> Take that, Tatiana Maslany. <laughs> well done, well done. <laughs> News from Dark Horizons. John Boyega talks Trebaro, scrapped Star Wars. So, um, yeah, 2017 marked a big turning point in Star Wars fandom. A few months before the release of Star Wars The Last Jedi... To a divided reaction, uh, filmmaker Colin Trevorrow exited Star Wars Episode Nine just several months before filming was set to begin in early 2018. Uh, his ousting from the film continued a trend at the time of Lucasfilm ditching its helmers from the firing of Phil Lord and Chris Miller on Solo to Tony Gilroy's overhauling of Gareth Edwards' Rogue One and Josh Trank being taken off another spinoff. Of course, J.J. Abrams ended up coming back to the franchise to help Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, the rushed and sloppily constructed sequel. <laughs> Sorry. I like that description. The rush. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so matter of fact. The rushed and sloppily constructed sequel trilogy capper was the most widely rejected of the three films, if not the whole franchise, give or take. An Attack of the Clones. Uh, in the years since, details and art from Colin Trevorrow's unmade original version of that saga ending have leaked online, at times showing a different, ver- a different vision that appears to have been better received by fans than what we saw in Rise. One person who won't be reading any leaks is actor John Boyega, who plays Finn in the film. Speaking on the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast, he was initially shocked Trevorrow's script was available online and feels said he didn't get to work on that uh, and feel sad he didn't get to work on that version of the film. Quote, I can't read that one because I'd be heartbroken. I was, I had to sit down with Colin and I got to tell you, that was one of the best Star Wars meetings I've ever had because it felt like two nerds who were just like, yes, that's what we want to see. I saw the concept art, Stormtrooper Rebellion, I'm like, that stuff was cool, and hopefully Lucasfilm will give him, give him an opportunity down the line to work on something else, because I'm sure they would love to collaborate with him again in any capacity. The talk also dealt with one element involving his character that only seems to reveal itself in Rise of Skywalker, that Finn's Force-sensitive nature. Boyega indicates that was the plan from the start with Abrams, circling back to it in the final installment. Quote, It was a discussion from Episode 7 that was brewing, but you didn't know which way it was going to go. And then Episode 8 went in another direction. And so I think when you're going in another direction, when you're bringing back someone for the third film, they kind of have to appreciate what has happened in Episode 8, but still try to make a narrative out of it. J.J. really wanted Force Awakens, the movie that J.J. directed. He was kind of plotting a trajectory... But obviously, with the creative differences in the middle, he still wanted to force it in there. So that's where you get that moment with Finn and Jenna. And, and she asks him, how do you know? And he just says, it's a feeling. 
And JJ just had to get something in there that told you why there was a stormtrooper who held his own long enough against a Sith or Sith wannabe to a certain extent with Kylo. Oh man. I don't know. Um, I honestly think did that, you, did you listen to this whole interview? I didn't. Did you? Yes, I did. Talk to me. Um, I thought one of the most interesting things about this is after they had this talk about uh, Duel of the Fates, John Boyega was very clear about not returning to Star Wars in any capacity whatsoever, whatsoever, ever again, down to he wouldn't voice his character even if they showed up animated. Like, he is he is completely checked out from doing any of this stuff. Um, wow. It's very unfortunate. I mean... And I agree with them. If there was ever a script that felt like it was written in less than three months, it's the script for Star Wars Episode Nine. I mean, you could just tell that time was crunching and they just fucking threw this shit together as fast as they could. I, It's just so very, very unfortunate for such a great actor that this is the way that Star Wars treated him. Um, and I don't blame him for never wanting to come back and return to this stuff at all. Um, he seems like one of the only positives that he got out of the whole experience was um, his friendship with Oscar Isaac, which uh, still seems to remain strong. Um, told a couple funny stories about, about him and Oscar that I thought were really great as well. It's worth listening to. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Um, yeah, they did nothing with Finn in that final movie. It was really oh, pathetic. It was such a disservice. Yeah. And I, you know what? I, Oh, sorry, Joe. I was going to say the only actor they did more dirty in that was uh, Lisa Marie Tran. It was uh, Kelly Marie Tran. Did I get her Tran. name wrong? Kelly Marie Tran. Yeah. I was going to say that doesn't sound right. <laughs> but, I mean, like, because they totally, I practically wrote her out of that one. And, yeah. I disagree with that article synopsis that episode nine and episode two are the most hated and shit on star Wars movies. I honestly still, from my viewpoint, I feel like nothing gets shit on more than last Jedi. Last Jedi takes way more heat than episode nine. In my opinion, I think the writer here was basically definitely a supporter of the last Jedi. And I think that's why they were just voicing basically their own opinion here. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. I I see. I just, I see way more uh, episode nine apologists than I do episode eight uh, i th- honestly think that more people like episode eight than hate it it's just you're going to the the loudest voice in the room is going to be either me or john McEnroe, right so yeah yeah that makes sense <laughs> <laughs> man wouldn't that be would you pay to see that me and john McEnroe yelling at each other jake I figured you'd both yell at me. Uh, probably. <laughs> we probably, g- <laughs> probably gang up My on God, you. My God, they've joined forces. I know. It'd be like a doubles match. <laughs> what if like me and John Macro like merged into like a Voltron anger? You know what I mean? Like we've merged together into like just one big angry person. Oh my God, <laughs> I'm getting the fucking shakes just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, I'm going to be fucking hitting mutant <laughs> peeing into a Gatorade bottle that episode. 
Uh, more Star Wars news from Dark Horizons. Uh, Ryan Johnson's Star Wars trilogy still ticking? Question mark. Following on from his comments about how proud he is still about uh, how proud he still is about Star Wars: The Last Jedi, filmmaker Ryan Johnson has followed up with comments to Empire, confirming his other Star Wars project is still alive. Several years back, the filmmaker announced plans to do new Star Wars trilogy, one not connected to the Skywalker saga and potentially set in a quite different time period. Since then, however, there's been essentially radio silence. The lack of commentary on it, along with the ever-shifting plans for the franchise at Lucasfilm, it was thought the plans had been quietly abandoned. Uh, not so, says Johnson, who confirms that the plan is for them to still happen, eventually. Quote, I've stayed close to Kathleen, and we get together often and talk about it. It's just, at this point, a matter of schedule and when it can happen. It would break my heart if I were finished. If I couldn't go, uh, if I couldn't get back in that sandbox at some point. So, uh, right now he's committed to the two Knives Out sequels over there at Netflix. Um, and after that, we'll see if uh, if this moves forward. What do you think? Do you think we're going to get the Ryan Johnson's Star Wars movie? Uh, I think, I personally think that it won't be a trilogy. <laughs> I. I think that if if he does come back, it'll probably – it might just be one film. I agree with that. I, I think we're definitely going to get something, but I think they're going to do a little bit of wait and see. They're, you know, if the movie is a success, if it makes a lot of money and it doesn't almost split the entire fandom again, maybe they'll possibly let him do another couple movies afterwards. But um, – I still 100% think he will make another Star Wars movie, but I do agree that the chances of it being a trilogy are not 100%. I think it'd be smart if they just let him come back and direct an episode of something, too, you know, in the Star Wars universe. Like, if if he had a little bit of free time, maybe he could direct an episode of, you know, like one of these upcoming shows. Like, if he were to be a director on Ahsoka or... an ep- uh, direct an episode of, like, Andor or something like that. You know, I think that... Maybe, you know, it'd be interesting to see him direct an episode of The Mandalorian or something. But we'll see. I, I, I yeah, want, I mean, I, that would be cool, too. But I, I would prefer... No, 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 no. Uses, yeah. I'm not saying that he's not going to get his movie. I think it would be awesome, though, if even before his movie, they let him do something in one of these shows. Because typically, when we're first watching these episodes... They don't show us who the director is until the end of the episode. Mm, I follow what you're putting. And down. so it would earn him some goodwill. Yes. Fans. If yes. he did like a, a nice episode of the Mandalorian. or Yes, whatever. exactly. At the end of it, it says directed by Ryan Johnson and all these fucking, you know, people that have been tweeting about this episode and how much they love it or whatever. Hopefully. They'll then, start stabbing their eyes out. Exactly. They're like, oh, <laughs> fuck, I just loved a Ryan Johnson episode. <laughs> He's, I think that that would be I think that that would be cool. But yeah, go ahead, Joe. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised if Disney just goes away from the trilogy idea in general and just starts like, let's try and just make a Star Wars movie that is good. And let's not worry about making three Star Wars movies that are good, that are all interconnected. I mean, just because, you know, just because they've done this trilogy thing three times, it doesn't mean it needs to be the future of Star Wars movies, that every time it needs to be a trilogy. I would be completely fine with them just giving us good stories without worrying about trying to fill some sort of template. 
I think they've learned from that, Joe. I hope they've learned from that. And I hope they've learned from, you know, getting three different directors to to handle this as well. They need yes. to have one solid vision, right? Absolutely. Because that was the biggest problem with, with the sequel trilogy is that it was too loosey-goosey. And, and in the end... I don't know. I I loved The Last Jedi. I, I liked what Ryan Johnson did with that for the most part. I agree that it has some faults in it. I don't think it's a perfect movie, but I like that he was able to come in and subvert expectations and give us stuff that was different that we hadn't really seen in a Star Wars movie before. And so I'd be excited to see his take on something, especially in a different era of the universe. Um, I don't want to see him be holding to a trilogy, though. I'd like to see a first movie be successful and and I think your idea of having him do something else to to try and get the fandom in general to warm up to him a little bit better is a good idea. But it also might be a fantasy that some people are just so entrenched in their ideas. And I think some people just hate The Last Jedi because it's something that is fashionable that, the oh, that's that's the that's what people say. People say The Last Jedi sucks. And so The Last Jedi sucks. And most of it's Luke Skywalker upsetness. Just being butthurt that Luke Skywalker went on like a totally logical journey for that character. Yeah. yeah, people are very hard up for the stuff that happened in the original expanded universe. And those people can never let go of that stuff. And they can never accept that this is the story that Ryan Johnson decided that we get one more Luke Skywalker on our screens moment. And this is what Ryan John. We didn't even get a proper battle between him and Kylo Ren, Joe. What a fucking waste. <laughs> the battle they that. gave us was fucking awesome, in my opinion. Yeah, I, oh, I agree. I agree. But that that's the biggest criticism I see for the people that are really upset. And, you know, I guess I agree that let's map this trilogy out before we do it, and that would be better. I, I do agree with that. But if they would have stuck to the plan of not mapping it out and having three different directors keep passing the baton i think it would have worked better than what ultimately happened here which is they pushed out after the reaction to episode eight like i'm, I'm still just so mad that they made so i've never seen a more reactionary movie in a franchise made than episode nine it is just so gross to me like it addresses actual complaints during the fucking movie mm -hmm. and it's just unheard of i've never seen any other franchise or movie take this route where it's a two and a half hour apology for the previous movie and completely like this thing is supposed to be jj abrams build it as not only the last of the new trilogy but a cap off to all nine fucking movies and how much work he had to do here. But at the end of the day, it just felt like a giant fucking I'm sorry for the previous movie. And it just makes me sick. If if they would have done the Colin Trevolo thing, it, it may not have been as good as mapping out a whole trilogy, but it would have been better than this half ass give up on the plan routine that they fucking did. No, I agree 100 percent. Yeah, it's it's. They totally just basically it's like they gave the movie to J.J. who went out of his way to retcon everything that had happened in the previous movie. Uh, down to the fact that Ray wasn't nobody, that Ray was a Palpatine. Like everything was just, you know, even even, you know, uh, Rose was pretty much eliminated from from the entire movie. And yeah, it was. 
gave nothing to Finn. It was it was it was trash. It was a trash fucking script, and it was a trash movie. Luke, Luke verbally apologizes for throwing his lightsaber away. Like it's it's beyond levels of ridiculous. Like ugh, one of the worst franchise movie in any franchise ever made. I can't watch it again. I and I can't I can't even go back and watch like. Force Awakens and and The Last Jedi because I know where it ends up. It just it doesn't make me it does not make me want to go back and watch any of it. It makes me sick to my stomach thinking about how that's John Williams' last full Star Wars movie too. Yeah, I know. Oh we, yeah, I know. We sound like just. Sour. I never thought I would be this guy. I, I, I never know. thought Star Wars could do anything that would fucking offend me. Yeah, I. It, it's shocking to me what level they took it with Episode Nine. I like, wish. You, say yeah. what you want about the prequels, but Lucas had the balls to never fucking bend over for anyone and no. what their opinion was. He didn't. He didn't listen to what everyone said about Episode One and go, "Well, I'm just going to make a two hour apology for Episode One and Episode Two. That motherfucker doubled down. Uh, he he <laughs> sure fucking uh, he 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 Jar Jar fucking took a back seat and and there were rumors that what was it the fucking was it the Backstreet Boys or In Sync was gonna be in that movie and he fucking bowed they out of that shit. They were in the movie. Were they? No, I thought they were gonna have yeah, bigger roles. Were. were they gonna have speaking lines? I, that's what I thought. I thought that I thought that was just like they were on set. Reporters were spying on Star Wars sets. They caught wind that InSync was there. Okay, and then everyone ran with, "Oh, InSync is in Episode Two. And You're everyone probably got mad. right. You're probably right. I just didn't follow up on all that stuff as it was coming out. So the the InSync guy is the guy that throws Obi Wan his lightsaber when he finally is released from being tied to the stake at the end of Episode Two. Okay, yeah, I I like um, and I, I, res- I, agree- I respect the prequels more. Now, after this most recent sequel trilogy, because it was under one vision of Lucas instead of just this reactionary bullshit. So I, I do. Res- yeah, I, mean, I don't love it. Sequels were. I don't love they the retroactively prequels. Retroactively made people like the prequels. Oh, yeah. The, <laughs> it, it made the prequels better. Uh, I'll give it that much. So, yeah. I did like Babu Frick, though. Oh, I do love Babu Frick. Oh, I love Babu Frick, too. He's like the one redeeming thing yeah. from episode nine. So good. Yeah. Babu Frick was awesome. Guys, that's all I got. Right on. We're going to get more Babu Frick, too. They, they've shown him in the Mandalorian 3 stuff. Jake, I said, that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> you better Babu. You better, you better Babu f- shut the frick up. <laughs> that was a reach but i'll accept it uh, oh th- i'm uh, you know what I, I i it's not about you it's n- n- critiquing me at the end of the episode on what you like and what you don't like jake that's not that's not up for fucking ratings i don't i don't need you to toss it and taste it in tupperware it wasn't my- a toss <laughs> oh, i'm gonna it's taste middle it of the road taste it joke <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> you judgmental fuck. Um, <laughs> Babu frick off. Yeah. Go Babu frick yourself. <laughs> that Star Wars Psycho Gorman crossover, the Babu frig off. I'm going to toss excellent. that joke, Jake. I'm tossing Thank that you. one. <laughs> <laughs>
Toss it. Come that's on. A, that's a toss it, dude. Come on. That's a toss it, man. Uh, not you're not the only one, Jake, that can fucking rate these little jokes at the end, buddy. <laughs> I heard Joe laugh, so I don't even care about you. Oh, opinion. Joe laughs at everything. He watched five. Ep- <laughs> he watched five episodes of Devil in Ohio. Fuck. Of course, I... of course, he's gonna laugh at your Psycho Gorman Star Wars crossover <laughs> frig off joke. All right, all right. This hard honesty just brought a tear to my eye. So I'm you win. The only th- I had that. The only thing that's missing on Joe. In my head. The only thing that's missing on Joe is the string I can pull on his back to make him laugh. <laughs> <laughs> did you just pull it? Yeah, I think I did. <laughs> that's what I want. I want the Joe doll where I can pull the string on his back and you just hear him laugh. Dude. Stoked to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Snake in my boot. <laughs> Devil in Ohio was a taste it. <laughs> let's watch sherlock holmes <laughs> uh for real though w- w- when i record with you guys i laugh so much my cheeks hurt where it's like comparable to like doing a mushroom trip <laughs> yeah i get that too the next day actually on some of these episodes where it's like so much fucking laughter that i'm like oh, why does my fucking face hurt this morning and i'm like oh yeah yeah yeah, that's uh, uh, same for me. But that's just from all the dick that I suck. Did I say that out loud? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so. No shame. Oh man, no. But uh, shit, I said that out loud. <laughs> anyway, Joe. There he is. On cue. (laughs) (laughs) Joe, where can people find you, man? Uh, Yeah, you can check out my podcast, Startcast, uh, long-form conversations with people. Uh, This newest episode, I got Kova Romero from ScenicCast on, and uh, we start off talking about the 1985 martial arts masterpiece, American Ninja. (laughs) Boy. And uh, it was a good conversation with Kova. And uh, you can also find me on Twitter at the Tubby Ninja. All right, yeah. Next week, Jake D twenty three. Yeah, that's exciting. What's real? What's fake? What are we actually going to get to see? Yeah, D twenty three. Next week's episode will be arriving one day later. D twenty three takes place on a Saturday. Uh, well, Friday and Saturday. I think Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. But the Marvel stuff is going to be happening on Saturday, which is the day that we record. And so I don't want to be reporting this stuff the day that they're uh, you know, doing the event. So we're going to be recording on Sunday, which means everyone will be getting the episode on Monday. Just another manic Monday. Whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> Wish it was Sunday. Because that's my fun day. Just another manic Monday. Out of my life. I don't know. Anyway. Love the bangles. Yeah. I like bagels too, Jake. Do you like bagels? Love them. What's your favorite bagel, man? Do you like to go the everything bagel? Do you like the... I'm an, uh, I'm an everything guy. Just stop right there. Oh, shit. Everything. Jake likes everything on his bagel. 
Yeah, I like that everything bagel fucking like seasoning that you can get too, so you can dump that shit on anything. Yeah. Dump everything on everything. Yeah, what are you what are you dumping that shit on, Jake? Fucking anything, man. Anything. Twinkies. Any, Jake's like, I got these hot pockets <laughs> spread out in front of me. I'm just going to town. I got. Oh, yeah. I'm just dumping this shit all over this lean pocket right now. Just going to town, much it down on this fucker. Dude, I don't fuck with lean pockets. I eat the fucking real. Oh meal. yeah, real, real man eat real hot pockets. <laughs> yeah, you pussy ass lean pocket. I'm eating my meatball, my meatball mozzarella pocket. No, um, yeah, Joe, how do you like your bagel? Do you are you a bagel? Do you like bagels, Joe? I do. I will take just the 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 regular plain lenders one with Philadelphia Garden variety uh, cream cheese on it. You know, That's my favorite. You know, people in New York are fucking screaming right now. Eh, they can fucking scream. I'm from Iowa. I have weird fucking habits. No, it, we don't have we don't have the luxury of living in New York and fucking eating those bagels. Apparently, like those bagels out that they make out there, they they have like the water's different out there, so the bagels taste better because of the water. Uh, they yeah, use. that's what I've heard. Yeah. We don't have that luxury. You can yell all you want to. Like, what the fuck? Do you want me to fucking travel to fucking New York to get a bagel? How, especially in this economy. Have you seen the price of gas? In this economy. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know bagels. Why are you getting so fucking protective over, over bagels? We got, we got the bagels that we got here. We don't know any different. We're, we're, you know what I mean? We're, ba- we're, we're bagels stupid. Yeah, so you're fine with watered-down bagels, but no watered-down Daredevil. Dude, I have to be fine. <laughs> Because I have access, I have access at all times to fucking badass Daredevil. I'm like, badass Daredevil, I'm like the equivalent of the people in New York. It's like, you're telling me you're wanting the people from New York to fucking come here and eat our shitty bagels and fucking, and grin about it. Is what you're saying, Jake. That's true, that's true, that was a bad analogy. Terrible analogy. And your your frig off Psycho Gorman joke was shit too. <laughs> <laughs> I like a plain bagel with veggie cream cheese. Yeah, dude. Plain bagel, veggie cream cheese. Or if I'm getting fancy and I've stopped by Panera Bread, I'll get one of their. Uh, cinnamon and sugar bagels and just put regular cream cheese on it. Mm, cinnamon and sugar bagel. Have you ever had one of those that from Panera? Good. I've, I've never it's, had that. They, it, oh. it's, it's like, uh, don't they have like the cinnamon and sugar kind of like, uh, they like, like injected into the fucking bagel itself? Yeah. It's and so good. It's like, it's a, like a, a hard shell of it on the top yes. as well. Oh, it's fucking amazing. Oh my God. I want to fuck the little hole inside that thing. <laughs> I just want to slam my dick in it. <laughs> but it feels more like a dessert, you know, because mm-hmm. of all the cinnamon and sugar on it. Yeah. It's still delicious. Yeah. It's like, oh, do you like you like cinnamon and toast crunch? Do you like, oh, yeah. Do you like bagels? Try this, motherfucker. It's not from New York, but it's pretty good. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I, do you think – they see, that's the thing. It's like if I ever went to New York and I had one of those bagels – what if it, like, blew my fucking, like, dick off? Like, I was just like, oh, my God, this is, like, the best bagel. I would never be able to go back and just eat my stupid bagels that we have here. It would never be the same. I'd always be chasing that bagel dragon. 
<laughs> this is very sad. <laughs> <laughs> Why voluntarily ruin bagels for yourself? Yeah, exactly. I'm just going to be naive and stupid and eat my dumb Midwest bagels. Why can't I have that, people from New York? Why you always got to get on our asses about this shit? Yes, you got it better out there. <laughs> <laughs> I like all this fictitious, like, listeners being upset when we know damn well no one's listening by this point. They do, though. <laughs> they do, though. If I would have brought up, like, if I would have, if I would have bring up, like, a Philly cheesesteak that I eat here, people in Philly would be like, what the? And they'd go nuts. It's like, we, I, I'm sorry, this is all we have. All I can eat is the. The Philly cheesesteak hot pocket. <laughs> like, that's it. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's all we got. That's all we got. You really want to piss them off. You need to talk about how the Philly cheesesteak hot pocket is the best and oh, better yeah. than anything in Philly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've been to Philly. I've had your cheesesteaks. Nothing compares to the Philly cheesesteak hot pocket. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you can do, they can do better in a pocket. <laughs> <laughs> That's that we're done. Jake, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Joe. A pleasure as always. I didn't thank you, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> that was slick. All right, guys. And just like all good leftovers say, on the, no, I'm not doing that one again. Lit on it. Jake, come on. Last week you did say it. You said it kind of like you were scared to say it. I want you to say it with some fucking gusto, some fucking balls. Grab your fucking dick and let's do this, okay? All right. And until next week, we're... Putting Put a, a lid, lid on it. Yeah, kind of. All right. See you I held my balls. I think you squeezed them a little too tight, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week. Later. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. By the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Could it toss it? Could it taste it? Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. That original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't 
embrace it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said, leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, pushovers, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said, leftovers. Pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture, leftovers.